and welcome back to We Bought a Mic. Happy 2022. We're here. Brand new year. Happy new year. Mm. Ching ching. Cheers. To a new year. Yeah. I don't I don't trust myself holding this anymore. Don't spill that. I almost ruined my computer like 10 minutes ago. We're in a new studio. Work in progress. We're celebrating. And we're chilling on a little kind of catch-up episode of the show uh, to ring in the new year. I'm Ernest. I'm Hunter. Thank you. And I'm Drew. <laughs> you are definitely not Hunter. How... Do you think people would, would notice, though? Probably not. We have the same ass. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> should I feel like at this point, uh, you, you should wish, be, Lee. <laughs> you should be just kind of a just kind of I'm a stand in. Yeah. Like a mainstay. Like you're not a featured guest anymore at this point. Sorry about it. Like you're just part of the tapestry of the Wabam cinematic universe. Just put me where you need me. One minute I'm cooking you guys something. Next minute I'm getting a beer. I'm doing a beer run. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I pretend to be Hunter. Um. Well, I think you have sometimes better takes than Hunter. No offense. More I mean, hot takes. So Although I, Hunter thinks his takes. I think if there was spicy. a spectrum, it would be Adam. Mm-hmm. Adam likes everything. You, Sorry, Adam. Love you. You're next. <laughs> Then Hunter, then Drew, then me. So I'm on the far end. What about Harry? Oh, Harry's on on the spectrum. What's the what spectrum are we talking about? We're just of talking liking, like of being critical. positive to uh, negative. I don't know because Harry's, Harry's a wild card. Yeah, he's really erratic. He's a with wild what he card. Likes. One second he loves everything, like he like like will binge watch all of the uh, Hunter hunt, uh, Hunter games, Hunger Games, Hunger Games <laughs> yeah, movies. So random. And then like love them and be obsessed with them and then like shit all over every other movie like Spider-Man. Except Dumbo. Oh, except Dumbo. <laughs> yeah, right. Except- <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I'm so confused. So we don't know with him. So we're here. It's 2022. It's a new year. And usually the first episode of this podcast every year is a listomania episode um you'll hear that in a few days i think later this week you'll hear uh, the first list of mania but today we needed to take a, a beat take a minute and just ease into the new year with a with a chill catch-up episode hunter's not here he did have too much eggnog on new year's eve and now he's jacked into the matrix because <laughs> of it um so that's where he's stuck and there is no hope presently of rescuing him from the clutches of the Matrix. Um, maybe he wants to be there. Maybe he is blue pilled. We don't know. Um, and he just chooses to remain in the Matrix. But luckily, we do have Lee here to to fill in the the epic vastness that uh, of a void that I he could lives. go get him. I mean, people tell me I look like Jada Pickett Smith. Mm. Spitting image. Is that true? Buried. Yeah, you you famously are buried in old person makeup right now. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's that's a a peek at what um you'll hear later on in this episode. We we have a list of things we want to get to uh, that we've been catching up on as we kind of go from 2021 to 2022. Um. That one of those being the Matrix. Um. But we want to start with a uh, slice of our Robin Williams series. A slice of hook. Um, Because just to pull back the curtain a little bit, Mm. you may have noticed that we didn't put out that many episodes in December. 
And, you know, just to, to be open with the audience, we have been very busy in 2021. Um, we all got new jobs and Hunter got married. It's mm-hmm. um, a big glow up for you guys. So we've been very, very busy with life. Shit happens. And sometimes shit happens that doesn't have anything to do with life. Um, and it's just me being stupid and fucking up the recording mm-hmm. of the hook episode that we spent two hours of our lives on. And it's now okay. it is now lost to never, ever land. I know. And, and we just talk to each other for nothing for like two hours. <laughs> About an OK movie. <laughs> that was uh the, the thing is, though, this this will just leave them wanting more, you know, because guess what? This was a fuego fucking episode um, mm-hmm. and you don't get it. But I got to live it. Mm-hmm. Imagine being me. Are there even that many hook fans out there? Do they are they call them, I think, hookers, right? <laughs> yeah. Like how many hook fans are there that are going to be like crying, knowing that there's a lost episode out there? I think you'd there? be surprised. I think okay. you'd be surprised. Well, they're all listening now. So let's let's give them something to listen to. So this is Hook 1991, famously directed by Mr. Steven Spielberg. Just to give you the highlights of the the episode that we uh, um, yeah, halfway I, recorded. I probably still have my shit written down about it. So I can. we we mainly talked about like I, I remember one of the big points we talked about is like it's so crazy that this is the movie we got that is directed by Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. and starring Robin Williams, Julia Roberts and Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. That's like the one movie we got with that combo. And it's just like, doesn't live up to that level of caliber you'd expect. Yeah. Nor does it come close in my opinion. It's a weird, (laughs) it's a weird movie. It's not awful by any means. Like it's, it's directed by a great director and it has great actors in it. It's just, it's just confusing uh, what it's trying to accomplish. I think that like Spielberg has done what you would call fantasy before, but it's it's very grounded what he usually does. Right. And I don't think he was the right guy for this, even though he's like probably the best thing happening in the whole movie. Right. I think they should have just gotten someone who would just let everything be stupid, weird, because Tim yeah. Burton would just make this into a fucking the most insane shit you've ever seen. He wouldn't try to like restrain it and make it about like, oh, son, I actually love you. <laughs> OK, well, I have three questions. One, was there a book? Well, Peter Pan is like that's the other thing. No, we but are they about. trying to yes. stick to the? To this a book. is based on a book that came out as a sequel to Peter Pan in like 1914. Okay. Um, the story of Peter Pan. Another point I brought up. I don't like. I never connected with it. It's. Yeah, I never either. met anyone who was like, "Yo, Peter Pan is so <laughs> like." I love that shit. I love yeah. it. every time they do Peter Pan. I love it because it's not good. It's weird. It's so. Weird. It seems like a really, really old story from when they didn't know how to tell good stories yet. It's also like very white, very male, and very like her- heteronormative. It's just mm-hmm. like I want to be a little boy. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be a little boy forever. Yeah, it's weird. It's so I never weird. connected with it. I never understood like, oh, the, cool, man, Peter Pan is so cool. This uh, fairy boy. Yeah. Like he, he's not cool. Like I don't I didn't know what I was supposed to be grabbing onto when I like read it or watched any iteration of it. And, and they keep trying. I at know. Least, at least what I'll give this movie is at least it's some kind of different take on Peter Pan where it's like, what if Peter Pan actually grew up into an adult? Mm-hmm. But at its core, the concept is already like questionable at best Mm -hmm. and i mean i'm sure there are huge fans of this movie and of the original disney classic like i'm sure it has its merits but like when you actually examine it and a movie like this kind of forces you to examine it because 
it's told from like the perspective of an adult man. <laughs> yeah. So you can't like give it the pass of like, oh, it's a kid's movie. It's a cartoon. Like whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And oh, and like I said, there's plenty of good going on. Like there are, there, yeah, there are scenes and sequences and like beautiful sets where you're like, wow, this is, this is a great musical movie. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Th- but the problem is there's like not much musical. Like it's, there is one number. Yeah. <laughs> this, but like the whole vibe of it is like they should just be singing. Yeah. Like and they, they did want it to be a musical. I think they did write songs and then scrap them because it has that energy. Well, how did it do in the box office? That's my second question. It did pretty well. It was it, a fucking huge hit. It, yeah. well, no, but the thing is, it didn't do as well as they wanted it. Well, to here's at my all. third question, real quick, close. before we answer that. What else was in theaters around the same time? Like, what are we? Because this was like a whole era that I think to us we've seen a lot that's happening in this film but back then i think the sets and like the spielbergness of it right was so epic and then the cast was so epic that like it was huge for that time it, and we're it, just taking well this for was granted. a december this was a december i know movie. It, it, so it was it was a hit but it all any anywhere you read about the box office they're like yeah they were very disappointed with how much money made they they wanted this to be like a hit hit and it wasn't that because it like critics and audiences were both some people were like this is this rocks this is the best and then a lot of people were just sort of like yeah you know it's like i don't know i feel like it could have been better yeah. that's that's how i walked away feeling it was uh number uh six for the year okay um with 119 million um domestic what was one through five uh terminator two Hell yeah. I mean, um, come on. Let's go. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's any, funny. Any Costner heads out there? They did Robin Hood and Peter Pan in the same year. <laughs> uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh uh, Silence okay. of the Lambs. There we go. Uh, and City Slickers. Okay. City Slickers. Wow. Yeah, movies very... like that used to be. In I know. The top it used to, five people used to care. Um, the movies, other. That's so crazy to me because every year, like leading up to movies became less and less like good uh it's like banger 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 like like historic things that you remember for like the rest of your life and now it's like i i don't feel that same way anymore but anyway yeah it just this it just didn't like it became a cult hit because it's weird uh and like there are things to like so you can watch it and find those things yeah I'm, there's tons of cool but, shit the, but, the the like punk skater lost boys like <laughs> that shit still holds up as like all right like this is cool this is very 90s like yeah. there's a good energy here I, I think i'm sure that they had an even like a, a tough time uh connecting with kids as well as it could have because it's about an old guy like <laughs> It's it's about like a forty year old man who's like really really. Yeah. We compared lame. it to uh, Christopher Robin and how he has very important papers. Yeah, and well, the other I mean, the other major takeaway I had like everything I read about the movie is that Spielberg like is really disappointed in it. He doesn't like what he made. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he knows he knows like did, Spielberg knows what a, a good Spielberg movie is like. Fourth question: Did the movie get cut to shit? I think because I, I believe, feel like yes. it's choppy. It's really choppy. Like somebody in the editing room was like, we have to cut this at two hours and blank. You know what I mean? And it just it's cut to shit. The dog farted. It's really bad. You don't have to say that. No one smells it through the podcast. We just have to brace ourselves. Oh, it's just completely derailing my train of thought. <laughs> Did um, this movie get cut to shit? Um you know, things like that don't usually get reported on unless it's like a like critical failure. If there's a, a story around the movie being like a huge failure, then people will start to talk about stuff like that. 
But this movie did well enough that nobody was like doing interviews about how the edit was rough. But mm. I mean, you can you can infer this is more the case now than it was in 1991. But you can infer that this was like a big studio swing. They were like, all right, we're going to get Steven Spielberg and this stellar cast and they're going to do Robin Hood from a reinvented fresh angle and it's going to be fucking nuts um and you know it's not bad but i don't think it's what they expect it to be and sometimes they you know they can have a hand in like trying to get it to where they want it to be and like this this tug of war can happen between the studio and the you know director where it can that sort of thing can happen well, the most off-putting thing for me was the fact that it seemed like Julia Roberts was, wasn't in the movie at all. Yeah. She had her own movie going on. That's the other thing I wanted to They did bring not yeah. want to uh, spend any more money outside of what they spent on the sets on any CGI she or animation. She is very disconnected from the rest of the movie. There are a couple of scenes that she is full life-size and she can be in the same room with Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And those are probably some of the best scenes in the movie. But the rest of the time, it's like so jarring every time we cut to Julia Roberts. Yeah. And she also famously really did not have a good time making right. the movie. And like it was, they she became known as Tinker Hell on set because that's, that's not like I would have probably come up with something better if I were making that up. She is going but full horny mode though. Like she, we have never seen a hornier Tinker Bell. She's, it's not, yeah, it's like it, she's going full like, like the you know nice guy mode r slash nice guys on on yeah. reddit where she's like oh, no i mean it's fine she's like probably better for you anyway she's like a human i'll just like i guess i'll just be in this tiny fucking house i guess i've waited for shit. you for like 35 years <laughs> peter mm-hmm. <laughs> i've been anticipating your return mm-hmm. um so. we also should mention dustin hoffman who is basically doing tim curry um that was brought up in the last episode um about how this should have just been tim curry no offense to dustin hoffman who is amazing in this movie um but yeah good movie um pretty crazy how it ends with an old man finding his marbles and floating away into the sky Mm -hmm. whoa and that's there's (laughs) that wasn't even the craziest part i was thinking about i just thought this whole that whole ending was just very off very Mm. odd his word is his bond his word is his bond come on yeah, just weird vibes in that movie. His son has Stockholm syndrome. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing we we talked about in the last episode is how Hunter <laughs> is literally <laughs> little baby Jack. Hunter looks <laughs> Hunter when he was a kid looked just like this little kid, and this kid was really good by the yeah. way. It's it's classic re- Spielberg kid actor. Yeah, it's just kind of like uh, for most of the movie he's stuck off like you know with with um with Captain Hook sort of grooming him, but like they have no chemistry together. They're not even really in shots together, him and Dustin Hoffman. Uh, So this kid's just sort of gone for most of the movie. He's really good in the beginning of it. Um, But then it just, yeah, just, I don't know. The movie just sort of gets lost in like in Neverland for a while where it's like, they are not focusing on what you should. Like there's not a lot of fun going on, man. I got the vibe that it was very like, Oh, remember this reference? Right. Oh, remember this yeah, reference? Yeah, Wendy, oh, Wendy, but she's an old lady. Yeah. Shout out to the queen, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Or not Maggie, uh, Maggie Smith. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention is that um, that imaginary feast scene, the whole insult rap battle that they have. That is, oh, that is such a good moment. That was epic. 
Uh, great Robin moment. I mean, he mm-hmm. just kills it in that scene. Also, the scene where um, where that little boy is like, there you are, Robin. Mm. Or not Robin, Peter. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, there's a lot of diversity in the cast, which I appreciated. Yeah. The Lost Boys, the, the main Lost Boys, like an Asian guy. Yeah. yeah. But like. I didn't get why he was so mean. Yeah. yeah. It was just he's grumpy. Just, well, because as he's dying, he's like, I used to have a dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> they tell us. That's that's bad writing. But I feel like I feel like like there's a lot of movies right now that are predominantly white kids. Right. You know, like this was 91. Yeah, you're right. Stranger Things and, you know, all of the Ghostbusters. It's like all white kids. And there is one black kid in Stranger Things. I know, but it's not a it's not an intentional like let's mix it up. Like every time the kids are around other groups of kids, let's try to make sure that there's like a lot of diversity. But I feel like we had that like we tried to make that intention in that era and it just we are straying away from it for some reason hopefully we'll stray back i think in some ways we are hopefully hopefully so the other big spielberg property that is relevant right now is west side story famously a big big movie from the 60s now being remade by mr spielberg um who despite Attempting to maybe almost make a musical yeah. with Hook um, actually went and did it with West Side Story. Yeah. And we it's saw It's funny because it. we actually watched a behind the scenes of West Side Story and they were like, yeah, he's always wanted to make a musical. And now that we're talking about Hook, it's like, wait, didn't he? He didn't even reference his own he musical. He almost did. So I don't think Hook counts as a musical. It has one one number and that's it okay but west side story is all music all the time and lee and i saw this we went on a little date see it i got so latina sexy you guys don't even know (laughs) wow i got all the biggest hoops i had and i just went out and this movie rocks it was like black panther when like all of like the people came out dressed in like their like (laughs) top to bottom african attire like for black panther i did that for this movie with my puerto rican self um we loved it i think that you know it has to be mentioned that um Ansel Elgort is like the weakest part of this movie. Not just I'm shocked. He's like I hate a, that a shitty kid. guy. Aww. I can't stand that kid. Hate yeah. is strong. No, I, I hate him as an actor. And also apparently he's like a predator. So yeah, it's fine. He's a terrible person. He hasn't had a, a role to like really wow people with. And this was like his opportunity. Like he's playing Tony in West Side Story. And he just doesn't wow at all. Like he's very flat. He can't really like sing or act or dance as well as anybody else in the cast but the movie is so fucking good despite him that mm-hmm. like i can't let one guy ruin the entire movie when the whole cast is so fucking good yeah, everybody but it, it does stellar. it does take away from it a little bit it does because he's 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 kind of like a frankenstein kind of body movement you know he's very blocky <laughs> And then when you watch him try to dance, everyone else is so fluid and so like just curving in every direction, like their hips and their joints. And they're just like everyone's really great at dancing and singing. And he's not great. At he has either. one scene, the cool number, the one where they're fighting over the gun. He, that, that one, he's pretty good, but 
throughout the course of the movie, like everybody else is just like at another fucking level. Yes, what? exactly. I guess the question becomes who, what other like white boy of the week would you cast? Because mm-hmm. like, like Tom Holland. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is like, oh, no. he can he can dance like a motherfucker, but he's not the right guy. Like, For Tony? No, yeah, not at no all. Way. Like who, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, maybe there just weren't, because you do need someone who's famous already. Like, even if it's just Ansel Elgort, you need do like- Do you though? And Polish. Um, has to be Polish. Has to pass as Polish. Okay. Interesting. Well, uh, you, last West Side Story, a lot of the people that passed as Puerto Ricans just put some extra makeup bronzer on and- That's the big thing with this movie. Yeah. Is the cast- is so fucking diverse when mm-hmm. it comes to like actually representing this culture that like it feels so fresh. I'll say I did not see the original West Side Story before seeing this movie. Oh, really? This was my first oh, wow. introduction to we this story. I mean, obviously, like I knew what it was because it's fucking West Side Story and it's yeah, like yeah. based on Romeo and Juliet. So like I, you know, I could figure out what was going to happen, but I had never seen the full thing. I obviously knew the songs because a lot of them are really famous. But this was I was coming into this as a Spielberg head first, not he debated whether he should do it the other way. But well, I'm glad I did because I, I just felt like so swept up in it. And like, obviously, like me as a Hispanic person, like I could understand all of the Spanish in the movie, which I know you want to say a word about like the no subtitles, but I loved seeing this hispanic latino cast like everybody is has just this beautiful energy to them like there's so much like charisma that is oozing from these actors like holy shit it was just like i was just so intoxicated by this movie and like every time Ansel was on screen i was like can we just get back to like the sharks Yeah, let's watch the original one and then do another recap because I feel like the I can't remember the name of the gentleman who played it in the original one, but from the the time that I saw it in the who clips, played Tony, yeah, he was excellent and sexy and alluring and yeah, captivating. Yeah. Do you do you find Ansel sexy? No, no. So the original no. is a guy no. named and and honestly, Richard can I just Binder. go down to like just casting in general? Right, mm-hmm. he okay. I know there's scandals about him supposedly preying on. I haven't read anything about it, but you told me that he's been with women. underage women. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. You know, everybody has scenarios. I, I, I have my own thoughts on that. But with that particular thing, the fact that she is so tiny. Oh, Richard Zegler? And he Zegler? is so tall and like standing mm. over. There were some, it just felt very uncomfortable just to look at how they're looking at each other. The chemistry between between them was almost it's like not, disjointed. It ain't good for, for dancing. It's not good for dancing and also just general, like even just the awkward moment where he's trying, he's slouching. His uh. body language <laughs> is slouching most of the film. He's like lur- lurching yeah. over her. We'll see normally like in a normal movie, you would just mask that by like, you know, by adjusting their heights with, uh, you know, sets or like where the, what was that? What was that? What? Uh, the audience didn't hear it. It was okay. an ad on the computer. That, well, well, I didn't hear it. Either. He just started playing. Oh yeah. My headphones my, aren't working at all. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I don't even think they're plugged in. So 
yeah normally you'd be able to fix that pretty easily in a movie you would just put like big you know super high shoes on the girl or whatever and or just make them stand in areas you know build artificially like less of a height difference you can't do that in a musical that is going to be very wide shot right and it's going to literally require you to see their feet a good amount of the time uh so maybe another reason why he was a mistake like yeah she didn't have good heels on either all personal things aside i don't think he's a good actor no i've never seen him disprove you in this movie. i know i've never seen him and thought well good job um in the way that like and I, i don't try to like i'm not discriminating just because like he was like a teenage actor you know what i mean like the first time i saw chalamet i was like that kid is a good actor like that kid knows how to like act in a movie i i've never seen that out of this guy i don't get it I would have been fine with it not being a star at all. I mean, no one else really was any other than the lady who played Doc's wife. So that's Rita Moreno, who is the original. um, uh, uh, What's it? Anita. Yeah. He's the most famous person in the film. Ansel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Well, that's and it what, wasn't that's really what needed. Was like, I would be fine if they just got another whoever, because the guy who plays the brother, they oh like literally God. called this him so from living in the woods. He like went off the grid. Well, he, he was, was like, a kid. He was a kid theater actor. He played Billy, what's, what's uh, Billy Elliot, and he won a Tony for playing Billy Elliot when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then he basically was like, "I'm good. I don't need to do this anymore." And now as an adult. He got called back to be uh, in West Side Story. His name is David Alvarez. He is fucking phenomenal in this movie as Bernardo. Like, I kind of wish that he shit. was like a white guy who could have played the main role. He's so good he, that like his body language was good. His singing was good. His facial expressions were good. His like I need him cast it. Put this man and like every fucking prestige TV show for the next five years. Yeah. I, I need this needs. He needs to be a star. Also, the guy who plays Riff. Yeah. The the, the main guy on the on the Jets. I um, didn't like it first, but he Mike faced fucking phenomenal. Like he, he has the great. face of the kind of guy who could just be like the villain in everything. Yeah. You know, like he could play a really good villain. Looks, dude, he looks just like fucking Sean Fantasy. Really? <laughs> so funny. That's funny. A uh, very kind of Irish kind of look. But the star of the show isn't even Maria. Um. Okay, so you're talking about uh, Ariana. Uh, Ariana DeBose, um, who is the new Anita, brings a completely different energy than Rita Moreno did. Because like if you if Rena Moreno is in your West Side Story remake and you're playing the same role that she played, you can't do the same thing that she did. So she does a completely different thing and she almost steals the whole fucking show. And she's a dark skinned Hispanic woman, which as if you watch any of the um, Miranda, uh, what's his name? Lin-Manuel. Lynn Manuel Miranda movies. It's there were the there was that controversy about oh, within the heights within in the heights the how colorism yeah the colorism was a problem. The and one black man was not a Hispanic black man yeah. exactly, and she basically wanted to make sure that Spielberg really understood that that was 
something a part of the conversation and that it needed to be like a prominent part of the conversation caught between worlds you know you know because that that definitely is something that being a woman of color like i'm not hispanic enough i'm not black enough and i'm not white enough to fit into any group right so i'm always an outcast in every group and it sucks because it's like well, some days I want to just like be able to melt and find like my tribe, but you really can't. And when you're a black Hispanic woman, hmm. you don't fit in. You get discriminated against around the same people who are raised in similar situations as you culturally. Um, and so I, I was very impressed by her. And God damn, can she dance? America is wow. one of the best scenes of the year. Holy shit. I literally like a got, painting. I got chills and I shed a tear during that number. Ernest oh my wept. God, dude, when fucking my guy Spielberg cuts to a wide shot, a crane shot that just soars over this beautiful dancing. The power of cinema is alive. Yeah. Holy shit my last flaw though with the film is that the chemistry between the two main actors maria and tony to get to get maria and tony to a place where i'm going to feel okay with someone murdering my brother so i can sleep with them the chemistry buildup wasn't there I mean, and i don't know if that's that in a the flaw. original movie though uh, we'll have to we'll have to go back and revisit and then do us us follow up to this. And and that I feel like that happens in Romeo and Juliet too. No, does that no? <sighs> Shakespeare heads right in. Please, um, you you also <laughs> and wanted, donate. You also wanted to mention the subtitle thing before we move on. Well, I mean, I'm Puerto Rican and the I, lack of subtitle. I speak, I, say. I speak Italian and like I can like follow Latin languages, but like I was just upset because i felt like i was missing some like really important scenes and you and a couple other people that saw it were like okay with the fact that like there were no subtitles and like really excited about like like somehow that's a representation of like spanglish that's like no 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 because they don't actually directly say in english afterwards what they said in spanish all the way like there's certain just just to be able to be in the moment and fully know what's being said and to get their like mannerisms directly with the subtitles and to know what they're saying. I feel like I would have enjoyed it more. They could have spoken Spanish longer. I feel like they were trying to force in this the little bit of English in between. They were trying to force it to be Spanglish because like they wanted to not have to use the subtitles. I feel like they could have spoken more Spanish if they had used the subtitles and I, I like that more. Um, I respect both ways. I just really felt like I was missing a huge hole. There was a hole for me. I was disappointed. I left disappointed because, mm. you know, I wasn't taught Spanish because my dad was like, I don't want you to know Spanish because you're in America now. And I want you to be fully immersed in American culture because you're American now. And so, like, for me, I feel like that was a hole in my life that I don't speak Spanish. That's fair. I, I I regret the fact that the movie didn't have that opportunity. I, but I think that that's also just a Spielberg thing. Like I've heard, I've read that like if you go back and look at other movies of his that have all other languages, 
it's it's just something he just does where he just doesn't subtitle it that makes sense to me because he while he does care about communicating his ideas the only thing he cares about more is his shots yeah and he doesn't want you mm-hmm. to look at anything that isn't his shots. that's so. true because i was about to say that for the director of parasite bong joon ho bong joon ho when he made that uh speech about how yeah. please don't let don't be scared of subtitles let the subtitles help open up a world of a new culture that was so inspirational yep. and i was like so excited to see what kind of doors that would open but then i totally see spielberg being like i don't want your eyes to be taken <laughs> off the faces of look my, at my shots baby look at my shots so god remember when parasite won best picture Oof. you crazy. were like it's Holy a new shit. day for cinema God damn. You shed a tear just because you thought you were going to see a revolution and mm, COVID mm, hit. Well, who needs cinema? Who needs Spielberg? That's true. I'll when, be honest. I'm not going to see that movie because I don't care about musicals in the slightest. They don't make me feel a thing. Really? Uh, yeah, because people don't act like that. They actually tend to talk. They don't sing. Uh, that No, genuinely, it's not. It's not because I think they're bad. It's because I don't like them. Um, I, the original West Side Story, good movie. Uh I just don't like musicals, but the exact opposite end of the entire spectrum of all arts is <laughs> how to with John Wilson. Oh, nice. And this is, I think, maybe my what favorite a show. Segue. Literally, it is like you couldn't get more different. Musicals are comfortable, are, are, are false and like staged to the highest degree, to like the degree of accepting it, being like, this is, you know, we are putting on a performance. This show is seeking to get to the most genuine human interaction that you can get uh, out of people. And I think it's, I think it's probably my favorite show because I've seen you flash dance like in the streets before. So I don't know I'll what do you're talking it. about. I'll do it. I just don't want to, I don't want to watch myself afterward. <laughs> so I do flash mobs every week. We talked about the show last year. It was, I think on all our top tens of the year. Yeah. I think it made it to all Might of have been ours. 2019. No, it was, it was 2020. No, yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um, but this is season two that we're on now. Season two is better than season one. Well, so here's, I'm so here's, glad we're talking about this because I was so pissed about Nathan for you <laughs> because I'm like, this is staged. Like, this is fake. I really think this show is real. Of course mm. it's real. So like, I really it's think so this show is real. You, Nathan produces the show. So yeah. either, no, I know. So but you I think, think he learned how to do an entirely different thing to, I don't to produce think it's this about show? Learning. I think. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Sh- okay, go ahead. I, I, I have comments. I have more comments. Um, so John Wilson, the reason that this show is exceptional is because he is not a mainstream filmmaker, nor is he trying to be. He was sort of handpicked by Nathan. Nathan found him based on a short film that he made uh, a few years ago. This is an experimental documentarian. Uh, This isn't a guy who had dreams of having an HBO show. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's why this show is special because he like I, I posted in our group chat where John Wilson started, which is at one point he got asked to film a short documentary um, for David Byrne, uh, like he went on tour with David Byrne. Yeah, this Talking was so Heads. shocking. I I had never heard. Of I know this before. And the reason why is because that he was known as like a lo-fi documentarian. Like it was like a choice of his. Like he used a bad camera and his mic was atrocious. He's recording like VO, you know, like at home where you can make it sound good, and it intentionally sounds like shit. Like he's like touching the mic and stuff. Um, it's like, it's like, like old car seat headrest. Like it's like, it, it, you know, people do it's purposefully lo-fi art. Um, 
because he was influenced by, you know, his predecessors that did the exact same thing. But that short documentary, if you didn't watch it, did you? Not yet. It is not about David Byrne at all. Of course. He got asked to go on this tour with David Byrne and he it's it's the almost the joke of it is that it is not at all focusing on David Byrne. Um, is it tangentially related to like music or you the know, Broadway it's really show? just like he just like he talks about like what he's you know his experiences on this tour like just like you know like shooting stuff and talking to people and then it's also he will not stop going back to like these two criminals that are on the loose he won't he and you don't see them they don't affect anything in any way he just keeps talking about it in this in this video i might have autism absolutely i really think he has Um, some level of either ocd it's he definitely has an ocd thing going he's he's yeah he compulsively shoots everything that he's ever seen in his life and writes it down and and, yeah and he catalogs every shot that he's ever shot he's he walks around the streets of new york every day and just shoots stuff and he has for years and years. So the I know. Sh- I mean, the, the level of skill, like I'm so thoroughly impressed by just what this one person has going on in their head. Like I would love to live a day inside of his mind and probably scratch at the walls to try <laughs> to get out because I'd be so scared. The, the, also, what's what's so great is that season two does what's really hard to me, which is it's still a singular vision. John Wilson's still the only guy who could have made this show, but they got him some good ass help in season two. There Connor O'Malley's on it. Connor O'Malley is working on it. Susan Orlean is working on this show. Uh, The subject who Meryl Streep played in adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a very, very prestigious, like New Yorker writer who's done anthropological, like, like short film work. It's so funny. I think there was like a vulture piece on this. I can't remember where I read it, but somebody was like, yeah, we should get like a Susan Orlean type. No, John Wilson kept on saying that. He was like, yeah, we should get like a Susan Orlean type writer. And they just, they were like, well, we're HBO. We could probably just get her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because like, it's not like she's like a zillionaire, like retired somewhere. She was a New Yorker writer. Well, see, that's what I was going to say earlier is like, I think my take on season two is that like, you can feel the level up because I, I feel like season one was I, I haven't seen the original stuff that Nathan must have found to get him on HBO but it feels like it was very close to that yeah and now with season two it seems like okay now he yeah. has an extra layer of he's, resources he's, yeah he's being led in the right direction he's also he's going places like he is he is intentionally this happened a lot in season one but not all the time where he would just if he saw someone interesting he would just follow them he'd be like wow yeah. this there's something going on with this guy i'm just gonna like shout out to reverse circumcision yeah. <laughs> or, or, and also this is a nathan for you trick that he does a lot more in season two he you you can just find insane people on craigslist like you can just you can find like nathan does that a lot on the show yeah. where he'll show you he he gets on craigslist and looks for the craziest listing for an exorcist so you find an insane exorcist like he john does that a few times this season where you just see him getting on craigslist looking for people well so the 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 main thing the reason why this show is going to be on my top 10 because i was like just just to pull back the curtain again a little bit i'm having a hard time i watch a lot of fucking tv the past 12 months and I'm having a hard time like putting together my TV top 10 and I was going to leave the show out because I put it last year on my list and the episode that made me reverse that decision was the episode uh, called how to remember your dreams 
which is season two, episode five. And in this episode, we see Nathan or sorry, John infiltrate an avatar parentheses 2019 directed by James Cameron 2009 or sorry, 2009 uh, fan club. Mm-hmm. And my mind exploded because this is the one of the greatest episodes of television I've seen in a very long time. It's one of those things you just have to see to believe mm. it is beautiful, tragic, sad, happy, uh, heartbreaking, uplifting. It is everything you could possibly feel in the course of what is it? Less than 30 minutes of television. Yeah. 28 minutes. Yeah. yeah. It is. An episode. It is an incredible episode of television. Yeah. And that's not even the splashiest one either. Like not even close because the second episode of the season is batshit fucking insane with the bang energy guy. Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, I saw that. That's the splash episode for like for like to bring in people who aren't into this type of shit. Like, well, that that the bang CEO guy and the avatar group that goes to the point I was going to make, which is like the Nathan energy of the planning ahead, basically, because like a lot of the stuff in season one felt like it was just John filming something mm-hmm. and eventually being led to something else and something else yeah. Yeah. in this season. You can tell. Nathan is in there. They have help. They are going. They are planning. Shit. Yeah, they find. They find and, people. Yeah, and you can just, though you can go out and find the people. fact that they're able to even say they have HBO behind them yeah, opens doors. That's the bang energy. Yeah, dude. He, <laughs> like, yeah, just they're like, just I'm like, like I'm just gonna roll up to this mansion. I'm just gonna walk in the door, <laughs> and there's gonna be like a whole party going on. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say I'm with HBO, and that's it. That's all I'm gonna give. I'm not gonna tell them anything yeah. else. Um, and that's that's a moment that I like multiple people I talked to thought that that was fake and that it to me, it's so it good. Be. Well, of course it's not it because that would mean that the bang energy guy is actually doing like three layers of acting for right. John Wilson in that scene. He, that's an insane man. He's not he's not doing method acting. Same with the avatar guy who gives that monologue about like yeah. how he has like, like suicidal. suicidal I know like that shit is like if that was a performance that would literally be like the greatest no, that's performance what I'm saying. I've you ever don't seen have to in my life. like it's not that hard you don't have to find people to act things like you can just find people who will talk on a camera but John yeah, but is holding the camera that's the magic like because John's just like a normie he must have this special ability to connect to people like this where they feel comfortable enough oh well yeah to and, open up and like they can this. well they can tell he's weird exactly and and nathan made things harder for himself because nathan is very combative with people <laughs> you know he like he makes people not like him like on purpose a lot and that makes it harder <laughs> that made him get kicked out a lot and there are a lot of aborted episodes of nathan for you because well, of that to get philosophical just because like i don't know how else to be um there's always like that weird guy in high school that you would like sit like in the classroom with and just kind of wonder like what's their day to day like this is a weird motherfucker right here <laughs> and he's like holding a camera and the he, whole like time. no i mean i'm just saying like there there's always like these very odd people and now that we're actually having like a universal discussion right now because of COVID about like mental health and stuff like that, I realized that like there are so many different personality types and so many different types of like mental, like degrees of like mental, I wouldn't, I don't even want to say disorders, but just like mental ways, just went, I don't even know the word for it, but. I think there is. I guess it's representation of just different kinds of people, of different types of people. And I think John is one of those people who 
sees the world in a completely different way than I do. But I have hints of it, too, where like the scene where he's telling a story almost in a very poetic way and then showing shots of different license plates that connect Yes. To his poem. <laughs> See, that's um, like yeah. that is that is genius. That, that is, is genius. Genius. And if if this guy is what you guys are saying, that he just walked around town for years and mm-hmm. categorized every single cool license plate that he ever found. And then when he wanted to do this kind of poem, he was like saying a beautiful story that tied into the overarching mm-hmm. story of his dreams and then just piecemealed god only knows how long it took to get this footage because there's no way he wrote he there's no way he wrote that kind of poem about how to connect to your dreams and how to deal with like anxiety and stuff like that and then said okay crew go go out and and just find every crazy license plate you possibly can for the next month like the footage comes first like he he yeah he because he's talked about it before every piece of footage he gets that is notable he categorizes and uses like tags online to save them so he can just search up license plate and in his own little database he has like like 50 license plates will yeah. pop up that he and just he's has able to put them in a puzzle yeah. and to now match the story and now i'm assuming uh he has more manpower where now i'm sure he has other people who are going walking, out and yeah, filming. Just walking around yeah, we were talking do about you think things. that he he buys footage from other people. No, because he doesn't have to. He, has, he buys he has an time, HBO show. He buys time off of videographers. Like he can pay anybody. Yeah, like and, HBO. Well, and also, HBO's it's not. Time. Yeah, it's not him. Like it's just like the show can afford to have like two other guys just walking around shooting stuff now, and they, you know, they get people with sensibilities that work. Like, and then they people, just puzzle it together. Yeah, they'll be like, hey, you like, know, they'll be like, hey, John, hey, writers. I, I I got this crazy shot of like you know this guy like dragging a dead rock rat like down the sidewalk or whatever that can be used at Dude, some point. The <laughs> shot of the guy like pinning his spine like up onto against the that bike rack. Bike. That was that was <laughs> like, like and scary. he's like he's like sometimes dreams can be scary <laughs> and sometimes like like in my head I'm like how did they do this? Did the footage come first or did the concept come no, first? Because all- like if you write a concept. Then you just say, okay, I want to take all the shots. You guys go through my shit and just try to find all the shots that are scary and then just like little fit it in and then swap it out. Yeah, no, it it's just good. like he has tag, like he has tags he saved. It's got to be a can, mix. He can search scary and he's got it. Um, Crazy. Yeah. And and like there's amassing this still like as we speak, you know, he has people, you know, there are people now that are just like getting shots because you can just walk around and find things and then have it ready. Well, I'll say that the one biggest thing that I feel about this show is like if we gave everybody the ability to be creative, especially those with a mind that is to most people like unusual or unique in a certain way, like just give them a budget to fuck Mm -hmm. around with a camera or with a paintbrush or whatever, we could get some of the most otherworldly art out of these human this, beings. And this is <laughs> this is one of those well, pieces. And 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 your thoughts about Nathan for you aside, Nathan Fielder is the whole reason that this exists. He <sighs> he found him. 
He he went out. He signed an overall H deal with HBO where they're they're like, we want you to just produce stuff for us. Like, what do you got? He was like, I found this weird fucking guy. Like, I'm not joking, guys. Like, you might just dismiss his films because they're really they were like weirder than the show is. Yeah. And they're like lo-fi and ugly. He was like, no, there's something going on here, man. Yeah. This guy's talented. Yeah. He's he's wildly talented. And he's also the season two you i i felt writing staff and it was in a way that i didn't expect to because i was expecting things to become less genuine as as they hired people to work on the show and it doesn't because you hire um they didn't hire like comedy writers they didn't hire people who write for like eastbound and down and then come to this they hired like susan fucking orlean a legend of like anthropological like character studies of real human beings yeah so what you get is like that license plate story. John Wilson's not a poet and that's a poem. He didn't write that whole thing. Um, there's help because there has to be. Also, uh, just little language touches all over this season are like, it, it's high level writing. It's the, mm-hmm. the type of writing that you get when you've been a professional writer for 40 years like her. So then here's my question to that because I feel like this shit would have taken twice as long for a second season to come out. Like, how long in between it wasn't very long um that's surprising because well because after season one they figured out what worked and they figured out that a john has to be the guy like there can never be anyone else like hosting the show than john like they know this is john's show if if his voice is like yeah (laughs) it's so unique and weird producers this season (laughs) definitely told him to say wow more (laughs) did you notice he he says it so much this season wow (laughs) it's like better than owen wilson's wow um, but yeah, you, you figure out what works and they, they sort of learned how to put together the show because he wasn't, he didn't come to them with an idea for episodes. You know what I mean? So they had to figure out, okay, what is 28 minutes of John Wilson's show look like? Yeah. And they figured that out in season one. They were like, okay, so a lot of it is piecing together from old footage, but then also to, to have like oomph in an episode, we have to send him somewhere. He has to go somewhere and meet someone really out there and have some crazy shit happen. I can't wait to see the one where Ernest said he just opens random doors around New York. Like, I, <laughs> I think that's the wait. first episode. Is it? I haven't yeah. seen that one. I, I bounced around. He just... It, so going back to the language though, because it's so important to me in season two that like how well written this is, how this is written by writers now, not, not TV writers, just writers. They're like a little touch in the, in the bang energy episode there. It's just little lines, but they're all over the show where, uh, for example, when talking about the bang guy, they use occultist language to describe his family a lot. And it's really subtle. But at one point he says, um, I was beckoned out by two higher level members of the family. <laughs> you don't, you don't say higher level members of a family. <laughs> it's a cult. No, it's absolutely It's true. so good. Like that is, it's, it's so very. It funny. looked just like how in Hunger Games, there's like the wealthy people who are like yeah. overly glammed up. And yeah. it's just like, where are you going oh, wearing that? And, and it's like, that's their culture. Like they're so far above us. Yeah. These people have no idea what our day to day is like. You know, they're so in their own asses. And <laughs> and he genuinely surprised the bang guy. Like the bang guy was like, "Who who the fuck are you?" What? He's like, "Hey, he's like, I'm filming with HBO." Uh, with HBO. <laughs> HBO just kind of walked in, his... but that's okay. And bang. Then, <laughs> and, and then literally in the in the show, he's like, "Yeah, he left his own daughter's party to show us his pool <laughs> and his <Yeah>. workout room." 
<laughs> be like, yeah, I'm releasing a book soon. It has uh, 1144 uh, individually cited sources. <laughs> like it's yeah, and and the the um, it's a lot like Nathan Few, but way more so in this because this this show is a lot more navel gazy and philosophical. Yeah. Um. So like the narration is profound a lot yes. of the time. Like yeah. it, like where he's talking. It's sad. Well, he yeah. it, it is, but it's also like. It's just good writing, man. It just made me. I was like, you don't read, you don't hear anything like this on TV because this is what people who write for like publications and books sound like. Yeah. These are like novelists writing this shit now. Like it's um, when talking about the bang guy, he's like, it it's it became clear that for this man, things were as simple as I wanted them to be. There was one answer to every question for him because <laughs> everything that he said was about bang, and like that is disgusting, but it also is something Beautiful. that you would long for if yeah. you don't know what you're looking for you know yeah it, it's it becomes like unbelievably deep i yeah. just wonder when i brought up like whether or not he was on the spectrum and like whether or not he had some level of like intense neurotic like ocd it's just because i think that that to be at that level of of particular he must have a special gift where he sees the world in a different way where he's able to like analyze and reanalyze which is why i'm surprised that the seasons didn't have a, an extreme difference in between because mm -hmm. even how he like articulates certain things and what how he chooses to use his voice in some of the shots i wonder if like did he re-record himself going through this over and over he seems very particular yeah, no, he he. How has, did he finish a project being so particular? <laughs> that's why that's why the help to me is mattering a lot here because this guy is is he, like he I don't I don't I couldn't put any sort of label on it, but he is um he has an atypical mind. Like he has a very very interesting brain. Well, yes. Not just not just like a super productive creative genius brain. Like the type of brain that you'd be worried. Like what if he just like runs out of gas and can't do it you know like yeah what if he just like starts hating the show because it's not him and like that's why i think that there are good hands like guiding him here yes. because like nathan because i like think I, nathan is a well, very important piece of the puzzle because like i said this isn't a guy who who like in college learning how to like film everyone ever on the street he was like this is going to be a hbo tv <laughs> show no you would never think that no this well, is a guy who wanted to shoot people yeah my last take is that i'm worried that some of parts are kind of fake because how can you get the legal rights to shoot people saying and doing some of the most ridiculous shit? Like, how was he able to shoot his landlord? Because she loves him. She'll sign a waiver. That just that's a matter of signing one piece of paper. Like, like does she he have a him. team to make sure these people it's HBO, all yeah. sign yeah, waivers? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. HBO. All of them? Yeah. Yes. How do they portray such a genuine thing when they know they just signed a waiver? Because and they sign HBO. it afterward. You get them to sign. You can make them sign the waiver. And after. they just won't use the footage if you don't. sign. Yeah, that. exactly. So uh, anytime that like someone says anything, Pat, I don't know if there's a word count or whatever. If, if anyone gets significant screen time where they're speaking, you have to get them to sign something. Um, and so, yeah, you, I'm sure it, this is the same with Billy on the street. It was the same process where like after Billy leaves and like the, the chaos leaves, there's someone doing cleanup. Like, hey, do you mind signing this? Yeah. Like. That, yeah, well, you know what I, I mean? hate that show. I hate that guy. <laughs> I can't stand it. It's, I'd rather watch Nathan for you. Than it's all guy. just it's it's really this is a really special show because there's nothing else like there's it. nothing like it. I think a lot of the people that work on it are excited that something so not 
uh, mainstream is getting made. And so it's being made with this like zest and enthusiasm by these people because they don't have to play to the back row. They can make it weird and people appreciate that because it's just polished enough that it's not too out there. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like going to get fully canceled because it's too weird. Yeah. It's yeah. just not going to be like a hit. You know, it can be in between. So we love this show. It is 100% going to be in our wrap up uh, best of. Uh, another show, HBO joint, that might get a spot on there is Station Eleven. How much have you watched? All of it? So we're going to keep this brief because, Drew, you have only seen the first episode, right? Yeah. And I wanted to talk about it, though, because this is, I think, maybe the best pilot I've seen in like two or three years. It's a really, really good pilot episode. Let me tell you something right now. Yeah. You ain't seen nothing no. yet. I buddy. mean, very intentionally. They show you at the very end of the pilot what you're going to be seeing. And they're they're ba- they're basically just goading you. They're like, yeah, you know, everything you just saw. That's not even the fucking show. bro. So guess little, what? There's more. A little bit of table yeah. setting here. This show is based on a book from 2014 by the same name. It is about a flu pandemic that kills just about everybody. Yeah. Almost everybody. Over 90 percent of the world. Yeah. And this was, by the way, this show wasn't produced because of COVID either. It was made a while ago. It was in production while covid yeah. hit in march of 2020 but, and they had to shut it down i know and that that makes it better in a lot of ways because a that makes all the coincidences which are not coincidences it's just like well-researched writing yeah it makes all of that play even better because you know they're not basing it on what just happened you know and then also it makes it so they're not trying to pander to people who are experiencing it right it's written independently of that which is weird because there are a lot of scenes later in in the season that i'm like i kind of wonder if they just took these particular scenes like like the hassle that you have to go through just to get through an airport Mm. during the transition between normal life and the pandemic starting to take over like little things like that i'm wondering like did they pick up on like subtle things like just having the TV news, like always covering the pandemic in the background when everyone else hasn't really started to really think about the pandemic. Yeah, the creep up, the slow creep up, up. the creep up. It feels very familiar. It feels very fucking familiar, familiar. And I wonder if they took a lot of those notes from this transition or if they recorded it. The way you would find out is, is I guess reading the book and seeing, you know, if it's all in there, if it's all in. Um, So, so a, a couple other small things before I get into to takes is um, basically like my one of my main thoughts with this show is like if I was in charge of producing this show and we had to shut down a show based on a book about a pandemic during a real life pandemic. Yeah, I would not keep making the show. I would say this is cursed. Fuck it. Throw it in the garbage. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Save yourselves. We'll find something else to work. Yeah. on. The fact that. Not only did they keep working on it during the pandemic that's happening right now in the real world, keep working through it. And now that we're seeing it and it's out, that alone is like, holy fuck, I can't believe it. It might have given them a boost. Oh, I'm sure that they COVID happened and they were like, obviously, it fucked everything like it fucked production. But they were sort of thinking like, this is it. That makes makes this a lot more relevant. No, it's absolutely crazy because when the pandemic first hit, all the famous pandemic an epidemic movie yeah, yeah, contagion. started going like becoming like the top 10 on yeah, Netflix. Exactly. I am legend. And I didn't, you know, a lot of people were like, why would you want to immerse yourself in a world when they're our, taking notes? The, the thing is, um, 
this it doesn't feel like empty this pilot it doesn't feel like it's taking advantage of you uh like mm-hmm. hating the world we're in and like knowing how bad it is it fe- it feels like made independently of that at yeah. least in the pilot it's so this is i think what i would call a 10 pilot like yeah. it, i think it's flawless um himesh patel yeah as jivan is like really really good Lee, like you're you're a big yesterday head i love Indian this is guys. yesterday yeah, dude. This is yesterday. He didn't have a beard. He didn't have a beard in yesterday. Yeah. I got to say, some of my single girls, now, mind you, I'm with a Colombian man. Very happy. All right. But a lot of my single, so. a lot of my single girlfriends say that they're not as attracted to Indian men, that they prefer all different ethnicities. Name, name the names of these but, racist women. But no, no, no. It's not necessarily that. It's not necessarily that. It's just, I don't think they're represented in pop culture anywhere right. near as much. Like, no, and I really when they are, it's feel... in it's in roles yes. that are stereotypical and, it's and therefore not, they're not, not like that. They're not sex symbols. They're not but hot. This guy's hot. This guy's very not attractive. Not only is he hot, he's like a caretaker. Like he's um, as a protective thing. hero. He's well, also, very honest, honest eyes. His, he has very honest um, gestures and his just like his body language. He's like a knight language. in shining armor. So, yes. so this entire pilot hinges around him like it's well, all the, the little girl I, too. of course but like i'm less concerned with the performance of a little girl than i am like this man luckily they're both like uh, wildly good matilda yes. lawler yeah she's like exceptional she's out of her mind good she I'm doesn't just, look uh, she doesn't look a damn thing like Mackenzie davis so but it's fine that we're allowing people from different cultures to step up and play roles that would otherwise be overwhelmingly dominated yeah. by yeah. white and this, males and this guy like owns this is a hard role because this guy isn't necessarily like he's not a great person but he is he is like he has a heart he has a soul Mm -hmm. he doesn't make good choices we learn about his background like he's not doing great in life or anything but he just he's thrust into this insane scenario in the pilot episode where he yeah he becomes like weirdly responsible for this little girl getting home that he just met yeah, while, literally just yeah met. and he also just found out that the world is ending yeah uh and it it just it feels like a movie like it, it has the right mix of performance direction hero mirai the god dude well the thing that yes. i love the most about the, writing just just to bring it back to his like ethnicity real quick it's just the fact that like most people who are like of color are written into situations where their ethnicity plays a part in why they're brown. That's I love that. Like it doesn't matter. No, it's never never brought up. Anybody. It's never brought up. There's not a scene where someone's like, you know, I don't trust this guy because he's this, you know, it's not even that. It's just like, he's just a dude. Like he's just a guy. He's just a weird. He's just like this, this guy who's like, (laughs) dude, that scene where he's like, I'm a, I'm a media writer. I'm a, I have a podcast. I have a website. I don't work. I don't (laughs) know. Maybe I wonder why we like him so much. <laughs> he just he just it's really I think a lot of actors have a hard time pulling off a character that is not uh, heroic or anti-heroic. This is not like a Shakespearean character. He this is, an is imbe- heroic, though. I know, but, but it's in it's, a way where he like but it's an, reluctantly. Yeah, doesn't it's kind of the reluctant to. hero. That's usually done really poorly um because actors are their entire life they have only been playing parts that are pretty straightforwardly like like i'm good but i have one flaw that will kill me and well, this is just a guy who's like man i don't know i feel i think i'm doing the right thing but i like i'm it's just awkward guessing. too because like like he keeps he keeps looking at the little girl and being like 
Yeah, I got it. And and you, the audience, and we're has like, to not think it's that weird, right? which yeah. is so hard because it's so weird what right. he's because doing. Because the only time it's portrayed, this is. I'm so sorry, got to take it there, but this is one of the things that um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> oh, you got to take it to Mr. I got to take uh, it to I'm Mr. Rogers. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. <laughs> like to watch it now, to watch an an older man have a relationship with children. We've just been like overwhelmingly consumed yeah. with like well, that's what, bad in, stories in about Mr. Rogers, men. Uh, the documentary and what you be my neighbor. Everybody was like, huh, is there like an is angle there something here? Wrong? Is there something <laughs> yeah, is wrong with this man? Why? And he basically said that like just just connecting to children helps you connect to your inner child and we should celebrate that. Well, this whole show, the first pilot the whole time I'm thinking like this is going to take a turn. He's going to be a molester. Yep. You at least watch at the he's, very least because I knew he was going to get like, or he's, he's going to get arrested. A, he's going to get assassinated <laughs> yeah, for. He, he's going to get fucking shot. There's going to be some because he's like he's like hey you know what you want to go to sleep in his room like I'm just like waiting for the yeah, moment yeah because and, like, it is and that's why this performance to me is like after the pilot I'm thinking Emmys for this man because yeah. that's really hard. He what he's doing is objectively it's not just like. You were trained to think it's weird. You wouldn't want someone to do that with your kid just to be like, hey, he ends up lying to her to get her to come to his brother's place. Yeah. Like it, and it's all for great reason. But you should be thinking like, oh, no. And the whole time you're like, this is a good guy because this guy rocks. This so, is because actor. it's also a child, which I like. I don't know if they're trying to curve it in a way to make it a family show. What this is not a family show. I, that's what I'm wondering. No, it, well, like, I mean, this is a usually, book. <laughs> I know, but so it's not a. You know what I mean? Usually, when dark. they put a child into, like, I wouldn't say Stranger Things is for everyone. Stranger Things is more fan. I mean, that has some. Intense but like, I feel like when you a add a kid in a show, that people think like, "Oh, my whole family can." No, watch it. yeah, it's def- like, no. I, I, I think Station Eleven has like the thing is disturbing it's, violence. It's also it's not that it's not that they're trying to bring in younger people or whatever. It's that. Uh, a, this is just like a classic plot device. These are two people that have no business being together, and now they are going to be inextricably linked for years and years yes. and years. Yep. Um, and that's just he like has good to writing. play down the pandemic. Yeah. Because he wants to shield her from exactly. for her innocence. So at the yeah, same time. It's, and it's it's. I mean, if we're talking just pilot episode, it is. If this was just about him, like getting to his brothers, he would just go to his brothers. Like yeah. he has to deal with. Well, he has the opportunity to. I know her. he almost ditches her. This this is a tension builder. Like this yeah. is a device. This child, and then she becomes like a main character in the show, right? So so this is this is what I wanted to say. So I'm glad you've only seen the first episode because I'm about to tell you something I wish I would have known before watching the next couple episodes. This this show has like a dual timeline situation where you're seeing the timeline as the pandemic is hitting and then you're flashing to 20 years later and, and you're jumping so well three slightly before like leading up it's like leading up during mm-hmm. the initial breakout and then 20 years later yeah that's kind of like what you're seeing but it's essentially like two main timelines and you're flashing back and forth so episode two is basically entirely 20 years later yeah and as you're watching it you're like are we ever gonna go back to that amazing shit we saw in the first episode and then it kind of plays with you and it kind of like makes you feel like it made me frustrated i was like it was too choppy you have to stick with it you have to be very patient with it and then it'll reward you later on 
when you stick with it. I figured because it was even like I knew like I, you know, I knew enough about the show to know that Mackenzie Davis, it plays this girl. Our queen. So I was like, okay, so yeah. So I was like, okay, we're jumping ahead. Um, The thing is like, I didn't like, like you said, I didn't want to, after watching that pilot, I was like, fuck the, this chemistry is wild. Yeah, me too. Um, and I like usually typically the, the heavier into sci-fi things get the less I like them, to be honest. Oh, um, that said, uh, I have a lot of faith in the guiding hand of this show. Well, it's it's Patrick Somerville, who was on staff with uh, Damon Lindelof on The Leftovers. I've never heard so, of this. What are you talking about? <laughs> so Ernest is a is, leftover little nerd. It's it so is cute. 100 percent in my bag. Um, I actually was very feeling both the leftovers and lost with this show because of the idea you you've seen lost right Mm. yeah it's all over the place well you you get this from leftovers too how every episode you might focus on a different character yeah yeah it jumps around and that's the energy i get from this show where like you're firing up an episode and then you don't know that for the next uh, it's not a full hour, which I like, you know, 45 ish. Yeah, I kind of I kind of did well, really love that. Yeah, yeah. You, you're going into an entirely different subplot. I know. But like, so here's my flaw. I've only seen four episodes, I think, so far. Yeah. So something we've been doing is we put this on in bed and our bed is too comfy and we fall asleep. Mm-hmm. You say so, we, you mean me. No, but, I've no, I've fallen asleep too. And you go back and rewatch, but I don't, so I'm lost. But let me just say this: like Orange is a New Black, they submerge you into this world of all of the women who are incarcerated, and you learn the dynamic of what it's like to be incarcerated. You're like scared because this woman of privilege is being submerged into this world of like violence and gangs and all these things they use the flashbacks of all the different characters to give you a taste of where these people came from to humanize them to get you to see who they are for real and what led them to the circumstances so someone you might have hated for two seasons you get like two or three flashbacks of their life through an episode and then you're like oh shit actually like i totally get them now but for a whole season i didn't know who they were I enjoyed that yeah. because they used that flashback as a tool. I don't know yet if I like, I just think the dual timeline is just like a choice. I think it's just like a stylistic no, it choice. They inform each other. There are scenes. Of course they inform each other, but like not enough to make me think that it's worth it. Like give me. You just want more. You want I more want pathos. more of the past. I want more of the past. Like the, the chemistry between the characters and the drama and like how shit is crumbling. It's so daunting. Well, and then to go to the future, it's like I the whole time I'm watching the future. I'm just like, I want to go back. I want to go back. And every time you go back, you're like, oh, this is the show. This is the show I want to see. I mean, that's. But I also don't know if I'm just feeling that way because I'm in a pandemic right now and I'm (laughs) feeling that anxiety right now. No, that's fair, though. That was that was the only worry I had watching the pilot is I was like, what if I don't like the future as much? Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing a show that bites off so many huge chunks, that's the risk. It it happened a few times in the leftovers because, like you said, we're following any episode might be a this guy or this guy yeah. episode. Sometimes the leftovers would focus on people that I didn't care half as much as other yeah. characters. And that's the risk because how the fuck can you make everyone equally interesting? You know, um, it's hard. 
that said though they did it most of the time on that show on great shows they're able to do that and i i don't know i don't i don't like things that are this high concept very often so i just i want to stress to everyone this is one of the best pilots i've ever seen in my whole life Mm -hmm. um exceptional i think it's perfection hero mariah is directing it um of atlanta fame yeah uh, hero mariah of atlanta and of true detective season one Right? No. Well, there's no. There's, no that's Carrie. That's Carrie Fukunaga. There's uh, an episode coming no up that I'm not going to spoil five. at all. Oh my god! Episode five. There's an episode coming up that I dreamed about because it the was airport. it was so yeah. intense. Well, that's good. Uh, and now it won news. me back. I think I'm going to go back and rewatch it all because if it hadn't been for that episode and how fucking it's just well a perfect written hour. and it's intense, just, it's 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 a it could be a mini movie and it's I think it's so perfect. I'm like, okay, I'm okay. Well, you, you know why me. it's perfect? Because of the fucking actors. But these, you know why people, wait, you know why it's perfect? Because it's all in the past. Well, it's in the they quote don't unquote do the future present. at all. Yeah. But that whole episode informs something that happened later earlier in the season that I didn't like in the future. And so I'm that's like, oh, the, okay, I that's get the it. Thing oh, is like, oh, oh, the okay. way the timeline plays out is like super there choppy. Are, there super are, choppy. There are setups and payoffs that are like in Two different th- timelines, and you you see things out of order because of the nonlinear structure. So that's what Lee is getting at with when she says episode it's five informed me about something that happened in episode two yep. that I didn't exactly like mm. that i was but then when you get to five you're like oh it all clicks together yeah so that's what i'm saying like it, you have to be patient you have to stick with it this is a the kind of show that is trying to challenge its audience that also that also sounds to me like a symptom of it being a novel because yeah. Yeah. novels do that way more than tv shows do because it's easier to see a novel as one product than right. it is a tv show where you, you know you can you watch it smatteringly it's coming out like in in chunks um so so it's easier to get away with like doing a Chekhov's gun in a book than it exactly. is a show. Yes. It's a great show. I want to read the book. Me too. Oh, but shit. I, yeah. I but, but I then I would the thing is I would have to then read a book. <laughs> I don't know. The I I really <laughs> cannot wait to watch the rest of the season. I'm pretty sure that it should be wrapped up by the time we record our best TV of the of of 2021. Um but yeah, that Station Eleven cannot recommend it enough. Um, it's on HBO Max. Let's stick with another HBO Max joint that is also in theaters. <laughs> Little sunglasses. Da-na-na-na. Code. The <laughs> Mafortrix. Yeah. Is that what we're calling it? That's what I styled that as in the show notes. I fell asleep right away. <laughs> Brother. I looked I at it. I wish I did. I looked. <laughs> I looked at it. Not for me. I was like, <laughs> and I rolled over <laughs> and went to bed. Yeah. I'm going to. OK, I'm not I'm not supremely qualified to talk about this movie. I didn't see the sequels oh. to The Matrix. I've heard that the third one sucks anyway. Um, it's rough. I generally the the Wachowskis. Uh, we talked about Cloud Atlas. Can, on this th- they can just be bothersome because I don't think that it. you should. I don't think I I don't appreciate a half-baked idea for being a good idea in a movie. I don't think that that's 
a legitimate way to watch movies be like wow they thought of something well no yeah but then they didn't do it good like a movie, i'm not i'm not trying to watch a draft you know and a lot of the time their movies feel like drafts for me um this movie is is nuts <laughs> This is an insane movie. It's fucking, it's weird. It is Deadpool-esque and it's constantly making self-aware jokes about how it should not exist because it shouldn't. Um, Lana Wachowski didn't want to make it. The stars didn't want to make it. They're all being held with a gun to their fucking head making this movie. I'm going to push back on that. That is not true. That is a take that is valid because the energy of the movie well, it's also like but that is true. No, though. it's not. The, well, the stars didn't want to come back. They if if Lana was back, they were down to make it. Of course they were. They didn't want to come back if she didn't come back. That's what it was. I, and I know that there's this this very sweet, lovely story about why Lana decided to come back and make this movie. Um, so I know that it's not just like gun to their head, like, oh, they were going to make it anyway or whatever. But that is in your mind watching this movie. Well, the, the movie does the movie's teeter in that direction. The movie is talking about how that is true. Yeah, exactly. There is <laughs> literally the a line of dialogue that says Warner Brothers is going to make this movie with or without us, which just tells you how meta this movie is, which I understand why people might be completely out as soon as Jonathan Groff opens his mouth and says our parent company, Warner Brothers, <laughs> you know, like I understand that, but I love this movie. Wow. It is so different than anything I could have possibly expected it to be. I, I get the criticism. I understand when people say that this movie is uh, basically talking down at anybody that wanted to see a cool fucking action matrix movie it's it's basically like slapping you around and being like you're fucking stupid for wanting michael b jordan doing bullet time in leather coats and sunglasses who the fuck do you think you are wanting that bullshit i understand why like people who love the matrix and want to just see a cool fucking action movie that pushes the boundaries of the genre might feel like they're being belittled a little bit by the energy of this movie that's a that's a that's a perfectly valid criticism, but I love that this movie is the complete opposite side of the spectrum of anything that anybody could have expected it to be. It's so weird. It's so out there. It's so like, unlike anything anybody expected. And I love it for that. And obviously there's parts about it that don't fucking work. That's see, yeah, that's the thing is there are a lot of things that are just objectively really bad going on. Yeah, like it's the, not the it's, action is not as good as yeah, the other. That's Matrix the thing movies. is yeah. like you can say that she is like subverting you, but then she's giving you action and it's bad. That's that's there's that's called well, bad. We should <laughs> that's say just called bad. We should say <laughs> the other factor in this is they had to shut down production during COVID. Mm-hmm. And when they went back into production, a lot of the crew that was on the team before the pandemic hit could not return after. Mm -hmm. So the movie basically had to undergo a crew shift, including its lead cinematographer. Mm -hmm. The director of photography could not stay after COVID. So this is almost like a weird, like Frankenstein sort of movie. It's very, it looks like it. It feels like it. And, and Lana, I think she said that like 
when the pandemic hit, like she thought she wasn't going to be able to make this movie at all. Mm -hmm. And so just the fact that it exists is is just kind of a mini miracle in and of itself. That That's all. I mean, that's perfectly fair. Um, but I don't take that into account when I'm like rating a movie like uh, what problems did they run into? We never do that. We just talk about what the movie is. It's It's important, though, because when you look at something like the action, they don't emphasize that as much because they're barely able to get through the fucking process no i know but okay so what we're getting is a billion reasons why it's bad this is what you're describing right now here's why it's not as good as it should be like and good good for but them should be should be is the is the key word right because this whole movie is grappling with the idea of what a matrix movie should be like, yeah. that's part of the thesis of the movie. There's yeah. entire fucking sequences where people sit around in a literal writer's room. Yeah. And discuss what should a mate, a fourth matrix be. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, not ready for that. Like, I did not expect that to be what this movie was. I also so I think a lot of the time that shit is cool. Like, I think I think that there are. Uh, I'd say maybe more than half of the scenes where we're getting meta in a winky way like that. I was enjoying it. I enjoyed it too. There's a, there's also a lot of just like really, really l- not character characters in the movie because the Wachowskis are not famous for understanding how well uh, people talk. Um, actually, they are computer programs because they're inside <laughs> of the matrix. Yeah. Uh, so they're not real people. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. It's It seems like someone like a lot of the characters are what a video game writer would write. A character to sound like like the you know the co-worker who's like i i said we were talking earlier and i said he's like he's how you would write a douchebag in like 2011 yeah like that's not good writing man like people don't people aren't like that so like i i'm not i'm not buying what they're up against because it's so it's not represented in any true way i guess um really though i i like the idea like a lot of Wachowski movies. I, I really do. Yeah. Like that is cool to subvert what everyone wants and like and like with great intent, reclaim the narrative of your own film series. Um, That's cool. Like, absolutely. Go for it. It's just the movie is in my mind. I think people are conflating the idea and what it is representing with how good the movie is, Um, because I think a lot of. I'd say the majority of this movie is spent. uh, Things are just being explained really quickly to Neo. I don't. Most people I know will openly hate on any movie that's remotely like that in any other circumstance. I think people are sort of lying to themselves. It's you're allowed to admit that like it does. It didn't hit perfect. I don't. I of course it's not perfect. I know. So it's so different. That's the thing. Is like. But that's also not that different from Deadpool. I think it is. Um, sure it is it is but it's also like i've it's not as though i've never seen meta before it's they, like lana didn't invent meta well, it's, it's not just meta like it's also telling a really beautiful love story between these two people and how like the entire mechanism of this this uh kind of uh robo human paradise runs off of the power of the two of them i okay so if that works for you then you're gonna like the movie a lot more it just didn't like to me that's well, a, that's a christopher nolan like like the only way for me to understand love is if it's a plot device that's what it felt like when i was watching it it's interstellar love is the only thing the universe well, can't explain true you haven't seen the sequels and the sequels reloaded and revolutions have so many problems 
but they are undoubtedly super dorky, goofy movies, just like this one. And when they came out back in 2003, people were not on board with them. (laughs) They were very, very much against everything those movies were trying to do. Um, And now all these years later, they're finally being reclaimed as like capital A, uh, capital G, capital A, good actually, you know, and that's kind of (laughs) good. Actually, what people are uh, trying to sort of circumvent with this new movie. Obviously, there are valid criticisms, you know, because it's not a perfect movie. It's very, very flawed. But because of the way the sequels have been reclaimed mm-hmm. in the past, like, you know, decade and a half, that's kind of where people are going into with this new movie. And I am so glad that I was able to not only watch the sequels, but also rewatch them before going into this movie, because mm. this movie doesn't just do its own thing. It's very much building upon the ideas of, of reloaded and revolutions. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, the original Matrix movie is its own stone cold classic masterpiece. Like you can't touch it in a vacuum. It's perfect. Like it's a, it's a product of the 90s. What? Hold on a second here. What? I saw the Matrix recently for the first time as a full grown adult. And are you going to try to say it's a shit I was, movie? I was put off at how campy it was. Well, of course, it's 1999. But I think I think what you guys might be also experiencing, like a hint of like the factors that we need to assess here is that the aging progression of that subgenre of sci-fi has to be taken into account when you're like creating a critique on it, because it's not like Inception. I think Inception is like a, a... a type of kind of matrix within your own mind. Inception owes everything to the matrix. Yeah, it definitely does. Well, I'm just saying, no. Hold on. Well, they, hold they both on, could on, could write a thank you letter to Mr. Plato, who came <laughs> up with a, a certain story about a cave. <laughs> okay. Well, what I'm saying is like when I watched it recently as like a full grown adult, I expected it to be serious, like Inception. <laughs> but it like was laughing no, that at movie itself. Is more. Not serious. I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like almost poetic. It's it, it's not a love story like a campy like you know love story. It's like this woman is committing suicide because she's so obsessive with um what how good life could feel within the fake version of reality that she goes insane. That is, yeah, that is very tragic. Which is actually something that in um the show we were just talking about with john wilson um how to with john how to with john wilson that avatar thing where people actually legitimately feel depression after they watch avatar because they're so filled with euphoria that they start to feel no longer content with the real world that they actually experience suicidal thoughts that's a real thing that happens and inception is like a serious version of that whereas the matrix is like a fun, campy, almost like Fast and Furious vibe, where it's like it's, we're it's, like we're gonna like fight, woo! Like it's like Taekwondo. Well, it, it has a and ton like, of yeah. It has way more fun, crazy like, outfits and like a lot of it is about the action in the Matrix, but it's also it has a lot of serious shit going on like that in that movie. Well, and it um, doesn't make me feel like contemplative. Um, 
it i mean these yeah i think these there's a lot of depth depth ascribed to these movies uh that isn't always there for me i guess the thing is like i said i cannot fully comment on the entirety of everything going on here i i really don't like how binary the discourse about this movie has to be because yeah. and it's not the fault of the people it doesn't have to be though it well i mean it does though be but like th- that you could say that about any fucking movie no i'm saying it especially about this one like very very strongly if you're not strongly for this movie you are associated with bigots like that yeah. you know what i mean there's a there's no. there's really? there's a lot of pressure you can, you can not like this movie that's fine oh i mean it? we can say that of course i'm just saying there there are a lot of people reviewing this movie so highly on letterbox and i know their taste and i know that they don't like it that much like th- because y- you feel the need and i did too i felt the need to support this movie for everything that it's accomplishing symbolically which is a lot yeah like, yeah. like you gotta say it like lana is is doing a lot here and and uh, anti big studio anti that while being a big studio well no and but also the I mean the narrative of these movies it was was hijacked by like the worst people on earth the whole red Um, pill MRA and and they came to despise the fact that the Wachowskis are trans and uh, they think that it's like retroactively being placed on the matrix as a narrative when it was always there that was always a part of those movies Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the the discourse is entirely about that to the point that like I think a lot of people are just feeling the need to be like wow five stars there's a lot wrong with this movie but five stars you know what I mean it's not five stars okay okay seen, okay, okay but like I you see, see, have you been on Letterbox lately man? what you're trying to say it's is, not five stars what you're trying to say is they came in with with a message. Rather than they came in wanting to do justice to the Matrix It's not saga. even that. Because I don't like, like I don't. They're playing into the mission behind the story that they're trying to tell. No. Separate from the Matrix. It's not that I hate that. That though. it took away from the Matrix. I don't think so. Because I'm not asking for like a, another Matrix one. Like I, I'm not that connected to any of it. It's just there. There are pacing issues, bad direction going on. There's a lot happening that like this is shot digitally and it looks like like Netflix digital cameras. Like it looks like bad digital. Mm. There are things going on that I know that like I, I like I I feel like I'm going insane for saying, hey, that looks like absolute dog shit or yeah. like, hey, that line was like if that's in any other movie, we are all rolling our fucking eyes. That's a bad line right there. Mm-hmm. Um we need I, I don't know I just I want to accept the fact that there's a lot g- good going on here but it doesn't come together to be a great movie mm-hmm. there's a lot of flaws that are just general directional flaws yeah, it's, that it's someone like, who's a professional who did great work before should have taken note well to. yeah but the, it's not I also wasn't expecting uh, Wachowski to make like an incredible like you know uh, how many incredible films have they made, especially mm-hmm. as of recent? I talked about the movie Bound uh, a few months ago. On I the still pod. need to see that. It's, I really it's want their to. first film. It's it's late nineties. It's this like neo noir like lesbian thriller movie. It's fucking awesome. Mm. Um, and it's also their only movie that is really self contained and not trying to do a ton. Yeah, because that's the thing is like they consistently get monster budgets yeah. to just blow on like crazy fucking <laughs> concepts that don't do big bucks at the box office at all. It's this movie included there. That's why I'm saying I, I've said this before. They they have to be really good in meetings, right? 
To, well, no, it's just the wow. power of the Matrix, I know. dude. The Matrix like, it's like literally, changed everything. It's literally just they made one movie that changed everything. And I mean, ugh, that's why this movie is good, dude. Like the fact that Neo is a game designer working for a nondescript company and that's his role. Like he made an amazing video game trilogy and they just keep him on payroll when he hasn't done anything else worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And he's just like sitting there dozing away on blue pills every day. He doesn't even know what day it is. And that's just his job is just to sit there on a computer and do nothing. And they're like, you need to produce something or else we're going to cut you. Well, no, it's not even that they're going to cut him. They just keep him on there. It's literally the same thing. Every Wachowski production after the matrix has been with Warner brothers Mm. and every single one of them has flopped. And uh, at least are other uh, aside from the uh, the sequels, obviously. Yeah. Everything after that. Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas, uh, Jupiter Ascending, like everything has flopped and they still keep signing the checks. It's like hoping a, that one day yeah, the, <laughs> they do it again. <laughs> it's yeah. the the meta text is great. I'm yeah. not here to argue that. I'm talking about the movie. Well, the, as a film, it it doesn't work. But is the meta text this is what this is a good segue into uh don't look up. Because is the meta text worth taking a concept, taking a film like The Matrix where you're you ex, you go in expecting what you've always received from that saga. And then is it just a vessel to get you to this meta text that they're trying to actually tell the true story to? I'm so glad you did this segue because you're totally right. Because the whole thing with Don't Look Up, another movie that has had a very binary discourse online about it. Yeah. Is the idea of like the theme and the concept that the movie is built upon is more important than the actual quality of the movie. Yes. Like these two movies are interlinked in that same way where Don't Look Up is not what I would say is a great movie mm-hmm. at all, but I think it holds a ton of value because it is pushing a very important concept and set of ideals mm-hmm. and ideas to people to the masses, yes. to people who would wouldn't otherwise be talking or thinking about these things. So let's let's look at both comparatively. Leonardo DiCaprio did a documentary that I can't recall off the top of my head because I never can. Before the he, flood. Before the flood. Thank you. Absolutely incredible. True story about climate change. Nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. Important message. It, like some of the best cinematography, some of the best equipment, drone footage narrated like, by his beautiful narrated voice. by his gorgeous, sexy, beautiful. OK, calm down. Voice. And yet nobody saw it. Nobody watched it. But when you get a bunch of celebrities together to do kind of campy, witty, cutting edge, funny uh, satire of today's like social and political structure somehow it's trending between number one and number two on Netflix worldwide and people are talking about it in real life like I've had people message me 
and just face to face, like want to bring up this movie. People that don't usually like want to talk about movies are like trying to talk to me about don't look up to bring it back to the matrix just for one second. It's like, I think there are some like, why would you bring the the matrix back if you didn't want to use it as a conduit to like a deeper story? And I think right now trans people are under attack. Hollywood is under attack. There's a lot under attack. And I think this film is trying to tell that story of like, some of the issues that and I didn't see the whole film, but I'm just saying that I was very impressed because I'm like, where else would I see this or not just where else would I see this type of story be told, but where else would I see it be told to the masses that would actually sign up to watch it? It's kind of like a placebo. Mm. They're using this thing that they know will fill butts in seats to tell that meta story on Mm. purpose to trick you, to get you to listen. I feel, see, this is exactly what I was talking about. Now I feel like a giant asshole for saying I didn't like The Matrix. (laughs) Don't feel like an asshole. You you wanted to sign up to see a Matrix movie and they- No, that's not true. That's literally not true. (laughs) I don't care about The Matrix. I wanted to, I signed up to see a good movie. Yeah. I can be whatever it wants to be, but it has to feel like a front to back movie movie and it doesn't like well, here it's he, choppy and, and and neither does don't look up honestly. it's poorly constructed and that's fine right. it's neither, just like yeah i i just i don't and i know it wasn't made for me like i i'm not like mr sci-fi i historically have been mean about keanu reeves as well and i think he is <gasps> asleep I feel you, though. not just in his role i think he is sleepwalking through this fucking movie yeah um i happen to think that's part of the point but, i oh uh, yeah i know you can say that but at, at how much of that's the point are you until it's just like, wow, the point is that it's all bad. This is bad. Wow. That, that sounds like a great movie. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, what I meant by that was like the idea of like him being blue. Okay. Once he wakes up, he still sucks. <laughs> he's, he's not a good, I love him as a guy. He's really cool. I, he's in great movies. He's, he's never been a good actor ever. So he seems a little numb. So he's, I was in the, yeah, he's just like a, a brick wall guy. That's fine. I just, I just want to say two things. So first of all, it's Okay to think that a movie is bad and also has important ideas and an important message. I, I, that's exactly like, that's yeah. totally fine. No, I know. I just, um, I feel like I'm insane because it seems like everyone else is like, no, the rest of it's really cool too. <laughs> and it's not like, I know it's not. Well, I just, well, it's not, it's not to you. No, do you know, like, like at the end of the movie when they're all, they're being epic to Neil Patrick Harris together and she like hits him. And what is, what does Keanu say? It's the worst line I've ever seen in my life. He's like, it's, it's like the equivalent of like, that's going to leave a mark. Like he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, he was asking for that. That's like, we laugh at that in any movie. We know that's a bad line. It's because the Wachowskis are famously not that great at dialogue. Right. And that's fine. It's just like that needs we need to mention that. I would like to see someone mention that when talking about what the ideas. Ooh, the ideas but are that's awesome. what they would say in a video game. Um <laughs> the Wachowskis could write great video games, to be honest, because video games are poorly written. The yes. people in video games are not that's humans. That's gonna leave a mark. <laughs> it's just there's there's a lot going on that I know it like I don't know. Like y'all wanna watch an hour of just like what's this? How's this work? Oh, it works like this, sir. Cool. What about this? Like that was an hour of the movie. That's that's, that's what the sequels were too. I mean, mm-hmm. th- there are entire chunks of the sequels that are literally just long monologues, long 
like mm-hmm. exposition dump sequences. I know. The thing is, I guess to me, usually when we talk about things like that, what we're talking about, we're like, yeah, no, this writer really is too obsessed with that. The idea here and, and is forgetting about the movie. That's well, like we've we said that about many movies before. That's well, what's- Ernest wanted to bring up the parallel between the fact that like opening weekend, it was side by side to Spider-Man. Mm hmm. Yeah, so that's that's something a lot this, of people that's, that's, kind of that's ironic. The thing. This, this movie also is better than it's doing at the box office, ironically. It's not like a piece of shit, but it didn't make money, did it? No, not at all. Yeah. And that's um, sad. So yeah, I, I think what you're getting at is the the whole notion of the the of Matrix Resurrections uh uh in inter- interrogating the whole nostalgia uh industrial complex of Hollywood of late. You know, the idea of like, we got to bring back our old friends, you know, and in Spider-Man No Way Helms, you know, obviously uh, the spoiler of all spoilers that everybody knows at this point, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield show up in the fucking movie and it's it works in the movie. Obviously, like they did a great job at it and they nailed it. But just on paper, the idea of like bringing these guys back is like. Don't we all love to see our old friends again? Mm-hmm. Don't we love to just like be with our old friends and remember the good times? And like, you know, they th- this new Matrix, like it it tries to like kind of have its cake and eat it too a little bit where, you know, you are bringing back Neo and Trinity and like it's fun to see our old friends. But it's also like kind of attacking that idea of like why we want that and why we feel the need to like keep returning to that in Hollywood. And mm-hmm. I think the movie like has so many complex ideas on its mind. And I can't wait to rewatch it and keep investigating it. And I know the filmmaking and the dialogue and the direction is like not what we would want it to be. Mm-hmm. But just those ideas and 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 I feel like on first watch it was so dense with those ideas mm. and and those concepts of like how nostalgia is being weaponized and how toxic that can be mm-hmm. and how like as humans like we just like cannot help but like bring back these like corpses of fucking no, things we should leave you're in the missing, past. You're missing Hollywood does it to sell exactly what they know will fill the well, most that's Spider-Man. I wish well that's I was fucking, about to that's, say that's what it I is. wish Spider-Man took this note and I I wish it, it switched. Like I wish I wish that the Matrix wasn't the vessel to tell this meta story. I wish the new Spider-Man movie was. Like how funny would it have been if like all of the Spider-Men were together from all these previous movies. And then they're all like, wait, didn't I already adequately tell this story? Wait, didn't I already adequately tell this story? And then it's like, why are we still making these fucking movies if we've had back to back movies money, you know? And like, I wish that that movie (laughs) took the time to tell this meta story of like, Oh, we otherwise would be out well, of work if it, we didn't continue to tell the same story. It wouldn't have made a billion dollars. Yeah, that's you the know? thing. And yeah, I think you're right. This like this movie, like the idea of it just rules hard. Uh, and it is trying to sort of it is trying to do both, though. It is giving you. Well, because there is a value to nostalgia. No, right? I know. Like, I just if I it's think, done right. Uh, yeah, I just I don't uh, I just think that it's. You know, to have the movie end as insanely happily as it does is very funny. Right. When this whole movie is about how it shouldn't. Mm. It it kind of is. 
it kind of, I, I don't subscribe to the idea that Lana is so angry to the point that she feels like she shouldn't be making this movie. Like, it's not that black and white. No, I know. I know none of this is. And and for everything that I'm saying, I didn't dislike this movie. I just like I really I'm I usually feel like I have decent feelers for how the, the critics and people that I respect uh, online will feel about a movie and to have every single one of them think that this is like near flawless. The amount of five stars I'm seeing from real critics that is deranged. I haven't seen that much. Mm. No way. That, like that. That's a deranged take, man. But I'm just I'm just shocked that they took this movie to to tell this type of story. I think like you got to give some credit just for the fact that they didn't say, OK, let's give the audience what they want. Right. Right. Like which they Star Wars like. Yep. Even though they I caught know. fire, well, I mean, yeah, that's, but like that sucks. Plenty. You could well, well, no, just Star Wars conti- did that with Force Awakens. It wasn't oh. until Je- Last Jedi that they said, you know, kill the past, yada yeah. yada, and then then people like rioted in the fucking yeah. yeah. But no, but, but Force Awakens yeah. is literally a fucking remake of the original Star Wars movie, like beat for beat. Which like this movie, Matrix Four, is directly attacking that whole notion of exactly. like replay where there else are, would we see that where else would we see that there are moments in this movie where we fucking see the footage from the original matrix movie in the movie and we're like comparing the new with the old directly and they're showing how twisted mm-hmm. it gets to try to recreate the magic i mean like where else have you ever seen anything like that? Neo, I think Twenty Two Jump Street. Neo literally, <laughs> and I'm not joking. That movie rocks. Yeah. I love it. Neo literally really? never picks up a gun in this new Matrix movie. Like he never, he never fires a gun. Where in John Wick, he fires all of the guns all the time, <laughs> constantly murders everybody. It is a very conscious choice to have John Wick, Keanu, Neo, not pick up a single fucking firearm in this new movie. Yeah. That is a very intentional choice. And it is, it, it is a, a, a very, they are, they're directly, she is directly running against the current mm-hmm. to give us a movie in which a Neo doesn't really fight at all. He doesn't fire a weapon at all. He doesn't do any of the cool shit that people expect from a matrix movie at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess that's almost why I was disappointed because I love that. It's and so fucking cool. No, that's the thing is I was exp- I was like, oh, this movie's gonna piss everyone off because it's watch, gonna be watch the sequels. I know there's so much of that. I shit. I know the thing is that's that's why I was excited for it because I was thinking this is going to be it's going to be more of a meta text thing. It's going to be pissing people off who want the action. I don't give a fuck about action. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think it replaced it with good enough of a movie that's all i don't think it's bad i just i don't think that it uh i don't think that it fully was able to supplement what it was losing even though it's fine that it lost that it's just like you got to fill in with something better is this a symptom of the direction that hollywood is going like is this the first reaction to it yeah, that's that's are more movies like this going to bubble up because no. nobody is ever going to let anybody. This is this is because, why, well, this no, is, listen, because if more and more of the greatest are starting to see a trend 
where people are breaking their behavior. They're not going out to see films unless they're this big budget. They didn't go out to see this. No, I know. They're, they're going out to see the Spider-Man. Spider yeah. And then when you actually do get a check to make a movie like the um, directors of The Matrix, when they actually are given a budget to tell a story, they're kind of resentful of the fact that we are making common films to to appease the appetite of the audience that's going to go see the spider like like they probably are trying to they're sending a signal like we're being pressured to continue to produce for you this same recipe of film because we need to have a we have a quota basically and this is like because they have that level of fame where they're able to stray away from it a little bit they're saying it's a symptom of where hollywood is going and they're trying to say listen you guys need to see this because this is like um an example of kind of the the stress that we're feeling so we're going to portray it in a way that you're going to have to sit down and consume it aka we're going to use one of your beloved past films to tell this story so you have to watch because you're going to try to sign up for the kung fu and for the cool shit but you're going to get this instead you must watch it are there going to be other easter egg movies like that in the future where um, big directors are going to try to say you guys are being put in a situation where you have to just like you're just going to continue to get same old superhero movie after superhero movie because that's so, all that's going to sell so now. I, I just I just have two quick thoughts on that. So first of all, The Matrix is a legendary fucking movie. So already the pressure of going in to kind of try to m replicate that is already like an impossible task. So that alone, aside from like what the trends of Hollywood, just the idea of trying to replicate the genius of the matrix is already like an impossible ask. And then the other thing is like, basically what you're describing bleeds into this whole fucking awful, toxic online discourse around fans owning yeah. movies and and beloved intellectual property that yeah, makes me want exactly. to fucking and that puke. my my favorite part of this movie was the idea of lana saying no <laughs> no yeah. actually i own this movie exactly. you, you want to see I'll, I'll do exactly what i want to do instead of what you guys want that's awesome that's just uh that doesn't speak to the quality of the movie in any way it speaks to the quality of the idea of doing that right yeah but um, there there are so many awful people on youtube yeah that is. literally make a living off of the views that they get on youtube mm -hmm. talking shit about how people like ryan johnson are making bold creative choices and taking away the sanctity of my beautiful star wars from the fans and that's why movies like fucking ghostbusters afterlife get made that are literally just a corporate product okay. to try to appease the fans don't forget though the episode of how to with john wilson <laughs> that those people who are obsessed with avatar it is how they eat <laughs> sleep 
breathe. They're learning the language of a <laughs> fictional character. That, well, also, there's one like, movie. No, no, no. <laughs> That's exactly. What made me laugh the most. Like they, they must be waiting so goddamn so, long. So like, <laughs> oh how much money can I put on this table tonight to to tell you there's probably a whole community of people who are like that for the Matrix. Of course. And for oh, it's, it's a lot more than that for Avatar in terms of like deep, deep devotees because yes. Avatar just hit the masses like in more of an oblique way. It didn't hit like deep connections like the Matrix did. People, the Matrix changed a lot of people's lives like forever. And they're very upset that they didn't interpret the story entirely how they were supposed to. Right. The thing with the allegory of the cave story is that it's literally made so you can interpret it however you fucking want. And they're, but they're like, no, 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 this wasn't about the Wachowskis shit they have going on. Well, they made it. So actually it is. And for you, it's about your thing. Yeah. It's for everyone. Yeah. Because it's so upsetting. It's so, here's the thing. What is Hollywood trying to, who is Hollywood trying to make movies for now? Given that there are YouTubers who are like literally just paid to make the most outlandish, outspoken, opinionated, you know, short videos they possibly can. And the fact that there are people who are like literally leading cults around certain movies that they grew up (laughs) watching. And then there's people like us who just like put something on because we like just respect the creative process. We just like respect storytelling. And we like Gabagool, Madon. (laughs) So like... Who now are is this a symptom of Hollywood trying to just like follow where the mice are headed? Like, are we all just in this like, oh, we know butts will fill in seats. And then what's the symptom of So that? I think that's it's such a good question that Hollywood itself, I think, is really struggling to figure yeah. out who they're making fucking movies yeah. for. And as a result, exactly. people aren't seeing the movies. Exactly. Well, I, think, I think Hollywood I think, is going to learn the wrong lessons from Spider-Man. Oh, I mean, because Spider-Man is the best case scenario yeah, of giving the people what they want. I think I think yeah. a large like the Marvel, like I don't love everything about the, the MCU. Um, I think that is going to have really awful. It already has had awful effects on the world of film. But the worst effect is that people are going to think that it's easy to do what they're doing. And it's right. not. It's really hard to pull off that level of fan service and make it into a good movie. Right. And and so any attempt to do that, that is not by these people, I'm really concerned and, about. And also just it kind of like fucks with my brain to think about like online uh, active, like fan activity having influence on Hollywood. Like this mm-hmm. is something that we've talked about on the show before, like with the example of like how uh, obviously like the, the existence of the Snyder Cut is like, a huge example of it, but also like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog completely getting redesigned because of yeah. online conversation. Like the idea of like people having a direct line of influence to the way movies are actually produced is absolutely insane. And also just fucking online discourse in general and I how know. negative that, it can yeah, be. Yeah, I honestly regret the entire conversation that I've, I've just had about The Matrix because really after watching it, the, the main conclusion I came to is like people just shouldn't be allowed to talk about movies like no not <laughs> us not anyone man they should just come out don't they have entire but teams of people that are just surveying people of course like so i mean people have to be a part of the process sort of but they to that, a certain degree the, unless it's super the level, indie the level of ownership yeah that they feel the the idea that like a creative 
person can't make a creative decision because they must feel beholden to the fucking fans. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, you just sound like a CEO of some corporation that's like, I want to make my product the way I want to make my product. And I don't care if the user is but enjoying it the way that they art. It is. It is. But it's also OK. So let me take it to another level and segue it to don't look up. We also know that people are attracted to things that do have a real mission behind the storytelling. And we do know that sometimes our fears are exploited, right? So the matrix, people are freaking terrified of what our relationship with technology, which is just being like totally irresponsibly allocated across the world to different age groups. Mm -hmm. And we're just like allowing social media and like this, Overconsumption of technology to just like run rampant in and our how, day-to-day lives. And how lives. negative discourse gets more of any amplification, yes. which a lot Matrix Resur- Resurrections actually brings up. Yeah, like how the negative matri- is like more controversial, so it's more like sexy of a headline, and so we're going to gravitate towards it. It generates more power, more power, more passion, more fear mongering, basically. And so, you know, movies with a message it's almost like they're playing on our emotions to get butts in seats too. It's not just like, yay, I love to see Tobey Maguire again. Where has he been? In a Spidey suit. He saved cinema. Oh my God, Tom Holland and Zendaya are together and then they're together in the film. Every single thing on my timeline is going to show that for the next year. This is great. I get a lot of Tom Holland Zendaya stuff in like my IG That's all I get now. (laughs) It's really weird. I made the mistake of clicking on it a couple of times. I'm like, wait, these two are together? that's weird he's so little and she's so tall and then like now that's all i see it's all i see so i i have to like cheat the algorithm and proactively try to click my way out of the algorithm but um it doesn't it doesn't but work most people most people don't do that they get sucked in now with don't look up i am conflicted a little bit because of course, I want everyone to see before the flood and like respect Melancholia, it. First reform. Like I want people to watch reform, brother. films that are about climate change and films that are telling stories about like feelings that we have on a day to day basis in a serious way. But because so many people are attracted to big budget uh, superstars in a film like they get Ariana Grande in this movie and like her okay I the Jesus reason the, Christ. almost the only reason I I was so turned off by the trailer for this movie <laughs> is I thought that the line that she gives is so not reflective of modern celebrity and I was like oh no Adam McKay wrote a script yeah. from when he was more relevant he wrote this in like 2009 because she's like what is she? She's like, oh, I have a song called Shooting Star. It's some shit like that. I have a tattoo of a shooting star. No, yeah. the, the angle here is that celebrities now are like fake activists where she'd be like, oh, my God, that's horrible. I'm going to like make a post about it. It's no, like something what, like that. No, it does do it, that it is in, in the, the film. Movie, yeah. Yeah. In the There's movie, be, she's it's very obvious that she's a fake activist. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. But she's then like, I'm wondering. She's like, fuck the manatees. Yeah. <laughs> Pay attention to the comment. <laughs> and it it plays it so well. So don't look up okay for you guys who don't know i'm a i'm a diehard climate activist and much like leonardo DiCaprio. 
IRL. Leo and I have a lot in common. Leo IRL, for anyone who doesn't know, is like a huge climate guy. That's that's why yeah. he he doesn't sign on to do many movies anymore. That's why he signed on for this one. If it's Leo about something he gives wanted about. to ever come on the pod or have on a one on one conversation with asked me, him, I, I mean, we might as well. Um, my number will be in the comments below. Um, well, you're not uh, 19 years old. Really, so. <laughs> He's not gonna, <laughs> but I could pass as nineteen. Um, well, I mean, maybe if you're, uh, let's say, what twenty four. Excuse me, I'm twenty two. <laughs> wow. Um. Anyway, I really think that I really feel like you might actually be like seventy. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we established earlier she is like insanely good. She is Jada yeah. Pickett Smith yes. covered in I old am age 100 makeup. Hundred years old. So I am <laughs> well. I think the, the point you're trying to get at is like the idea of like him leaning into this story. Into with his this full fun, campy, advocus. play, so, satirical. Yeah. So don't be don't be spoily, but just tell me tell me how the movie is uh, like separated from any discourse. How is it? Have you watch the movie. Is, do you think good? Movie? It's everything that you think is actually happening today mm. in a movie that's trying to joke about it. Yeah, so there are there are like we all know Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are going to playfully like showcasing (laughs) their wealth by creating these pods to go to space in in front of our eyes. I swear to God, they're increasingly phallic. These rockets that they're in. Yeah, unnecessarily. Every single one looks more like a a giant penis. We're all sitting here on our timelines thinking like. They're trying to get out like they're trying to escape. And it's I before I started seeing those videos of them like going to space and like, you know, investing in these different companies that are like creating rockets and things like before I ever saw any of that, I thought these billionaires slash almost trillionaires are definitely creating some. So I always had like something in the back of my head that was like, they're going to get out of here. Yep. I know it now that they're actually just like overtly like, look what we're doing and we're going to get broadband across the the entire planet. We're going to do all these things with these investments. I'm just like, you're so full of shit. You're making a pod to get the F out. Yep. I know you are. They know because they know. And to what extent do they know where it might actually be? They are helping to expedite it i don't know but this movie is basically trying to show where we're at on the politi- the politicizing of climate change yeah. but through instead of climate change it's like a comet coming to earth and which by the way i fucking wish <laughs> i fucking wish it was a comet <laughs> that would yeah. destroy us all in a blink of an eye instead it's <laughs> like oh i have to watch like entire ecosystems collapse yeah. slowly Very over slowly. time <laughs> and just see article after article of like yeah there's no bees anymore and there's another water war but it's like just, what the fuck i guess it's it's hard with movies like this it's hard to separate the, like what it's trying to say with how how you like the movie right because that's that's largely the point of the movie but also adam mckay has been known to once or twice make very entertaining movies that are just good to watch. Mostly so, when they're just comedy. So, so is this? I'm yeah. The Big Short is good. I love the Big Short. Um, and that that movie is, I guess it's not so much 
entirely it's not the thing is that that is not an allegory or a metaphor that movie is about exactly what happened i, I think big short is much tighter than this movie i'd I think say this, this is, movie is exactly what's happening yeah but is it's it good exactly do you like watching this, it this i don't a, i didn't enjoy watching the big short either i didn't enjoy watching vice i didn't think like oh i just want to like grab my bucket of popcorn and like just put on vice do you like, think i enjoyed i enjoyed big short do you think people will like generally like don't look up separate from from all the the predetermined opinions that people will have do you think if they like if people just had no clue about climate change and they just watched mm. this movie, would they like it? I think I think people will like Leo. I think he gives a good performance. I Jonah think Hill. I, yeah, they'll laugh. I, I think there's 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 good stuff in terms of of Leo and and Jonah. I I think that um, Jennifer Lawrence is pretty good. Listen, I think this isn't Timothy a John Faye. Hughes movie. Like you're not gonna watch it to just be like entertained. Just be like mm, warm fuzzies. Yeah. Like here's the reason why people didn't go see Before the Flood. It's because it's not a it's it's not an easy ask of your audience to like voluntarily sign up to watch like the end of the world. Right. Why didn't First and Reformed this, make like two billion dollars? <laughs> this movie is like, hey, we know you don't want to work too hard to like learn about what's happening to you. So we want to make it fun and like want to. But it, it, it does take work. It does take work, just like any of his other films, where like you really didn't want to learn about what happened with Dick Cheney. What happened? What happens like, when, when two epic brothers move into the same bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to have to read about that, but to watch it, it has to be slightly entertaining for right. you to care. Well, see, see, that's yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Is like, you know, this is the movie that more than any other movie this year is getting like non-movie people to talk about it. Like it is connecting with a more outside circle of the conversation than I usually get exposed to in it's, like the circle of movie culture. Another thing that's really funny is you were talking about a, a, a binary with, you know, with this movie's discourse. It's actually like a, a trio thing. I think there are three opinions because uh, coming from the left, there is steady hate as well with yeah. this movie. Uh, leftist Twitter hates this movie. Um, well, because it's easy, because it has to appeal. To I the know masses. because it's they easy. Go also, also, so David Sirota uh, helped like produce this movie. He he worked with uh, Bernie. He you know he I think he was like his chief of uh, I don't know like chief like press. He did something involving Bernie's press. Um, he is he's been doing sort of a premature victory lap about don't look up and it's been rubbing a lot of people the wrong way where he's like, wow, thank God we made this. We, we yeah. did it. We fixed it all. It's all better. Well, what's, yeah. What's we'll see third? how many of those people who watch it actually vote. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like, even if it's an altruistic idea and it's made for the right reasons, you don't want to overstate what movies are capable of doing because, uh, this is on Netflix. Most people who watch it are going to watch it and then watch something else right. and, and then not think about it very much. No, but the thing is they are thinking about it. That's, that's what I'm getting at is like, I've had people like message me to like, want to talk about this movie because it's mm -hmm. like, it is making them think. And, and, and the thing that that brings up in my head is like, what is the Venn diagram look like of people who need more information about climate change and also are not like, crazy fucking Republicans that think that the world is 2000 years. Old. I mean, it's it's plenty of people. 
Um, because it feels like at least in our age group, like people know, like we know that climate change is a big deal. Like we don't need to be informed that climate change is like a big issue. Yeah. Right. Like, do we need a movie to tell us that we should care about climate change? Like, well, it's we, not just it's not know. just that. It's also like the separation of our like very polarized uh, democracy and how we are on opposite ends of the spectrum, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or left or right or whatever you call yourself. At the end of the day, it's about special interests and about what's mine is mine and I'm going to go after what's what I need to, even if I'm in a position of power, my personal interests are going to supersede. So there might be some fear that that's damaging the conversation about why democracy should still be preserved and how our political system should still be like salvaged, you know, because even if, I mean, look at, um, Joe Manchin and, and the build back better plan. Like he's a, he's a, he's a Democrat and like we're all fighting to make sure that we have some climate legislation, but a Democrat is holding us up. Like I thought Democrats got it. I thought Democrats understood that we I, need to so save our Joe, fucking asses. Joe Manchin should watch. Don't look. But, I, I wish more. <laughs> that is, that's an angle. I really wish more people would understand. It's like, that, it's like even Democrats don't quite have our right. back either, but what we need to understand is money and private interests in position of power, in positions of Dude, power if, are if, the problem, not necessarily whatever we label ourselves. People who just care just to care should run and should be supported. We should take money out of politics. So if if Joe if Adam McKay gets Joe Manchin to fucking <laughs> flip. To flip. He, gets, he gets Kristen Cinema wow. to, to go. Oscar. She is going to be like, wow, cinema. <laughs> wow. Um, it, it's I don't know. It's 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 with movies like this. It's funny that these two movies come out so close to each other. These are two movies that are really hard to talk about without talking about talking about them. Yeah. And that's like the worst. That's the least fun conversation to have about a movie. Um, we ran into a similar issue with uh, Joker. Yeah, man. Yeah. Where you're it's it's like like simulation theory. It's like the your opinion comes before you see it. Um, and that really I hate that. I hate that I went into the Matrix with a bunch of things already in mind. Yeah. Um, but there's no way to separate yourself from that, because the thing is, artists want to say things mm -hmm. when they make things. Mm -hmm. they, they they're trying to start a discussion. Lana Wachowski was trying to send a message with that movie. It's not like we're it's we're not just pulling that out of our ass, you know. So how how do you judge a movie on its own merits well, when like the yeah. movie itself is trying to get a message well, across let, sometimes more than it's trying to be a movie? Let all, me say all, this. Though. That's, that's art, really hard. All art is a reflection of culture it, it is it, no there is no piece of art that exists in a vacuum yeah it is always a reflection of the culture i knew what this movie was trying to do and i thought it was going to flop and no one was going to watch it i'm very surprised so unlike the matrix where i felt like it was kind of like a placebo like a hidden met theme that they were trying to tuck into like this already popularized concept of the matrix at large they were trying to tuck that those undertone notes within the new movie this movie didn't even try to do no, that it's, it was it's like being this, out there it's saying hey this is 
Yeah. This is a movie. Uh, you're good. It's going to be pretty easy for you. Watch the trailer. You're going to pretty. You're probably going to understand what we're getting at here. It has Leo. It has J-Law. It has uh, it has all these stars. It's Adam McKay. You like that guy. Um, they, yeah, they're coming out and just telling you like, hey, this is what this movie is going to be. You should check it out. And I was that is kind of I was like, this is going to flop. Like no one's going to watch it. And then I started seeing all of my like extreme environmental friends starting to post and reshare. Yep. And I was like, I just I don't know if I'm just a niche. And then when I saw it started to go like number one and number two in Netflix, I was like, oh, wait, worldwide people are actually watching this. So they're just trying yeah, to see what Ariana Grande does in a film. Like why? Well, Leo. I mean, Leo's a huge draw. Yeah, but he makes other films about climate change that don't draw well, like in the people. documentaries. Yeah, it's not. It, this, yeah, this, this is this is like a front over. page of Netflix movie. Like yeah. this movie is was like made to be a hit. Um, it's just, it's a matter of, like, I'm still not hearing whether or not it's good. Well, I don't think it's great. I do think it's good. I think that like it has a lot of problems. I think it's very uneven. I think you can poke a lot of holes in it. I think it's one of those cases of like Netflix just signed the check and didn't have any notes Mm -hmm. and they should have like taken another look at it and like been like, all right, Adam, you got to do this and this and this to kind of tighten it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think it's like all over the place, but I think that there is a lot to love about it. I think Leo is fucking amazing. He's so electric in this movie. He's doing a a role. He's playing a character that he doesn't usually play. He's playing like a schlubby, like scientist. Adam McKay type. Yeah. (laughs) No, like a Dr. Fauci type. No, I I know. He's he's styled to look identical to Adam McKay. Yeah. I was very interested to see how they took things that are very relevant to the pandemic too. Yeah, because they shot it during the pandemic. tied it in so that it was like, they're making fun of thing of beats that are literally being done now in literally. our culture, yeah, in our society well, the, right the now. The way the the way the structure, like the way the story plays out, I really like because like most of the the trailer is like the first kind of twenty minutes of the movie, and then from there you're like, oh shit, like what's so what's going to happen next? here? And and the way the way this it plays out, I really liked it because it's like it's not like every single thing that's going to happen is perfectly set up in the beginning it's it's like all right a comet is coming to earth it's going to crash on earth that's it and that's like all you're given and then it just sort of plays out from there yeah and you don't really know exactly where we're going to go from Um, that conceit mm -hmm. to be honest this is going to sound really stupid but my biggest reservation with watching this movie wasn't anything to do with like you know what it's the message is trying to accomplish or like or the fact that like a lot of people think it failed to do that it was i it's sometimes it's hard to watch movies where you're just really frustrated the whole movie Mm -hmm. and this seems like a movie where you're following the guy that's right and everyone else is wrong and you're like fuck Mm. well and that's is that can be that can be tough to watch it is entertaining because there's there's plenty of other things going on to pull you away from that frustration to make you laugh and, f- and make you feel entertained and also make you feel like if a comet was actually coming to Earth, like this is literally how it would play out. Mm-hmm. Like there is a lot. I well, don't because know. climate change is real and it this is all actually playing out with similar beats right. to how our political system is actually happening now. But they make it like funny and entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And which- the acting's good. So let's like just well, talk about the bare bones of the film itself. Like the acting is good. There's a lot of like um, character developments that are really rushed. 
Um, but I kind of feel like they're trying to tell such a big message that it's they so only satirical. have they only have so long these to tell these aren't real people. They're not at a in, certain point. Yeah, they're not investing in the characters yeah. to really tell a story about said people that we're supposed to be invested in it's really trying that's, to tell that's, a that's a bit of a worry story. yeah Th- yeah me. that would probably but it's not as cringy as i thought i i probably think yeah. that if it was any less it would be worse but it's fine it's well it's the fine. the one character that really drags this movie down for me because i i don't think anybody is especially like bad i think everybody's like pretty good yeah except for one person Mark Rylance oh. plays, which I love Mark Rylance, like Bridge of Spies Hive Rise Up. <laughs> um, Mark Rylance plays basically the same character he played in Ready Player no. One, except like a hundred times more off-putting and cringe. He plays like a, uh, it's like a Mark Zuckerberg, but more Slash in the, in the like. Tim... Um, what's Tim Tim Apple? I'm Donald Trump right now. Yeah. Tim Tim Apple, Steve the, Jobs, Steve Jobs. What are yeah. you talking about? The CEO of Apple, C- Tim Steve Cook, J- Tim Cook. Oh, okay, <laughs> Tim okay, Apple. Okay. Tim um, Apple. He is he is like a Tim um, Cook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg type of guy. Absolutely insufferable. I could mm. not stand him in this movie. Mm. He is so bad talking in the worst voice I've ever heard. So the performance is, is fucking to vi- blame veneers that are just like taking over huh. the entire performance. The hair, the wig is terrible. The voice is terrible. It's all terrible. It's like what people are saying Jared Leto is in House of Gucci, <laughs> which I do not agree with. See the House of Gucci episode. The kind of performance that just like tanks the whole movie. Wow. Um, it Yikes. doesn't quite do that because he's not in the movie enough to do that. Like he does. He he's in it, but not like that much. But anytime he was on screen, I was like, this is so bad. Well, you have to also um, you have to also understand that when you get to that level of wealth, you're going to be off putting because we are normal people. Good point. Yeah. So like you. You know, we we talked about that with the succession. other, you know, succession and all these things. Like when you see someone who is like so far, up, like the the um the how to episode with the, oh bang with the bang, bang yeah um drink that guy has no idea what we go through on a day to day basis. So when we look at him, when we see his face, when we see his tan, when we see his super white teeth and his like tan lines and it's just he is the way he talks and presents himself it's like this guy is from another planet yeah and i think this character in this movie is supposed to feel like an alien to us because he's so wealthy and so not of our day-to-day he's not a person that he's not a person it's yeah i mean but then that becomes a matter of like obviously like we we can appreciate like a character that we're supposed to hate if they're w- well done. So, it, but I got who that was. So it becomes a matter of like, is it, it well done? At a certain point, like it's a movie, and I want to have a good time watching the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is the kind of movie that like you, it's already doing so much to make you have a good time watching it, given the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when there's a character that's like 
not doing that and not making you have a good time, it just kind of stands out, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I didn't I didn't get that impression just because I knew what role everybody was trying to be in comparison to today's world. When you listen to Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg speak, <laughs> I'm annoyed instantly. I'm Good like, point. who are you? Robots. You're insufferable. Robots, yeah. Every time I just I hate listening to your mouth move. I, I'm annoyed. Um, and I just think it's not even because they're rich and I envy them or anything like that. It's just because, like, I don't think they're of my culture anymore they're of their of our own. species you know they belong in the front of the train at the end of the day i think it's a good thing that this movie exists i don't think i i went into it like assuming that it would just be my least favorite adam mckay movie and i think i like it more than vice even though like vice is more kind of a tight piece mm. you know they this this one's a little bit more kind of jaggy but i think i was just like more on board with it than vice i mean it definitely sounds like more of a traditional movie than vice yeah like more of like a exactly. like taking you on a narrative arc yeah. than vice the, the thing with vice is like i feel like that movie was angry at me and like <laughs> i didn't elect dick cheney like yeah leave me alone it's not my fault <laughs> yeah so you know it's it's not the worst adam mckay movie in my opinion um but you know it's it's it doesn't land as like best of yeah it's the not year. it's known as saying like holy fuck this is the best shit i've ever seen yeah that's not an opinion i've seen once it, on the internet it feels like the the downturn of civilization is going to be all of our faults but in like our own different ways but then it's also kind of like but is this just how it's going to yeah. be because it kind of feels like we're all just like destined to be on this ride and it, anyway and, and it it is wildly refreshing and comforting to see a movie that basically has the same core idea as melancholia fucking Lars von Trier movie mm-hmm. about a planet colliding into another planet that is being absorbed by the masses and yeah. being seen by people that otherwise would never fucking see a movie mm-hmm. like melancholia or first first reformed mm-hmm. like those ideas about like the depression and anxiety and and grief of the world coming to an end it's just not something that is very like mainstream appeal no of course this this should have been a tv show i think it would have been so much better if they drew out some of these things because it just felt very like they're cramming it all in that's how i felt watching the the fucking matrix i was like that's how you feel a lot watching wachowski stuff though i was like wow there are one billion ideas in this what if (laughs) what if you gave a little more time to them all yeah stretch it out a little because they're all like good you know it's like man i'm just getting like two seconds of an idea and then like next idea yeah meanwhile there's a lot of shows that i watch that i'm like this could have been a movie we didn't need this tighten it out tighten it up Mm-hmm. But I well, recommend we, it. We Seinfeld, better t- Seinfeld should have been a movie. Cue <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, George no. wearing Matrix sunglasses. I want to. No. I want to. I'm going to start an account called uh, Take like the guy who has takes that no one has ever said before. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yes. if what if my uh, Seinfeld fits uh, Twitter account just becomes like. Uh, the characters in Seinfeld as Matrix. Characters. Seinfeld is what I really want to be talking about right now, man. Yes. I've been watching it so much; it is it is a lot better than even I 
imagine when I thought it was really good. Holds up uh, remarkably. It's better well. than Does really it good. hold up though? There are some episodes that I'm like. That's going to happen with any show though. There's, I know, but it's, it's like, it's compounding. Sorry. Totally taking this podcast on a mini tangent here, but it's slowly, but surely some of the things that I grew up watching and loving and like being diehard for I'm revisiting and I'm feeling heartbroken because I'm like, Oh, this does not fit into today's world anymore. And it's like slowly things that aren't even from that long yeah. ago are starting to be off putting like hook <laughs> who are it's, pirates anymore. Oh my God. Like pirates do not hold up in 2022. That's actually I mean, Seinfeld. Yeah. They like Elaine hits a Chinese delivery food worker and like he's screaming at her in like Mandarin and then like George asks him I might be getting multiple episodes combined well, that, that but like just, George asks him to like to help talk to someone in China for his hair oh, his yeah. hair that pills that he's trying to order Great are up. in delay no, and, and also, like and also George is, is so horny for Elaine in that episode yeah he wants to fuck her so bad there's just like a lot going on and and like the racial tension and like the sexism and like how they talk about women. The thing is, for, for that, you have to really you, like you have to. I don't know the, the lens I view stuff like that through when you can't enjoy it because it's too weird. You have to be like, wow, like this show back at the time was in like pretty good taste. It's not like they were ruffling feathers. This is like what shit was like. That's crazy. You also, know, I kind of the, I the characters well, are shitty people. You kind of you kind of just yeah, watch it to be like, like, wow, like people. shit was like that. You know, there's so yeah. I mean, like I love whose line is it anyway. And there's, there's a I lot watched of, a couple. There's a lot of rapey stuff on. There's a line. lot of rapey stuff, and also like yeah, Wayne Brady. Like every time they wanted to, the like a stereotypes. funny African song. Like they, yeah, they they, they make like him, have him be like bum bum well. Sometimes bum, it's, bum, it's uncomfortable. Like, they make him do like I, a minstrel show almost sometimes, like where you're yeah. like, oh my, oh Wayne, I'm poor Wayne. And yeah. the way that they like communicate homosexuality is like a distasteful disgusting <laughs> like insult it's like yeah i, I who's just line, don't think that's funny anymore but it was crazy. one of the funniest shows growing up that i love I know. so much and there's still plenty that still hits it's just like yeah. when something that like that comes up you have to just watch it differently for like five minutes you have to be like all right i'm not going to be laughing very much right now i'm going to have to go into like anthropology mode and be like wow Dude, this was this was america i i just remember this i gotta mention there, there's this one moment in don't look up where they get fucking ron perlman as like the hero astronaut astronaut that's gonna lead the nukes to the fucking yeah <laughs> comet. and he the whole world can hear him on comms <laughs> and he's like shout out to all the gays down there <laughs> And all the women and the blacks, huh? Yeah, no, he's like <laughs> shout out to all, this... all the the good white people in Mission Control. Yeah, like he's saying all these like outlandish things. Everyone's like, um, let's mute him now. <laughs> I, that's how I feel. Like I really, I feel like there's some shows that like I grew up with. Even wait, the wait, Simpsons, but there was, there even was... the Simpsons. I watched some of the Simpsons, and I'm like, I don't know if if this would be acceptable now like would they get canceled um i don't know well the, i mean the the constant response to that is that always sunny has not been canceled and it, they have said worse stuff on always sunny than seinfeld ever said they have the, said like, yeah they've said slurs a the, lot the oh point of when that they, show is to push the boundary i know yeah. it's all just i think the bigger question is like 
like Seinfeld for uh, some of the stuff that they got away with would have to be on like FX. No, well, it I just think wouldn't it be on Always Sunny NBC. came out now. See, we're right in this transitionary period where if it came out swinging now, it'd be received different. It would be received different. And I, I don't think I think we're going to lose that or we're going to have to try to find a way to like push the boundary in another angle, you know, like euphoria where we're, we're going like to purposely trying to incorporate the boundaries. Yeah. yeah <laughs> we're trying to like incorporate different themes without having to like make fun of it. We're going to have to start but saying slurs like up front. <laughs> Good thing Hunter's not here. <laughs> on that note, we have to wrap it up. Okay. Do we? Has, it's it, has a, it been three it, hours? It's been a fatty, <laughs> but it's been a good one. Thank you, Lee, for jumping in uh, and for helping us welcome in 2022. An exciting new year for the podcast. Our fifth year. Drew, holy That's crazy. Shit. Damn. Well, I won't be here for your recap, but I have to say, if you haven't watched Succession, watch Succession, mm-hmm. bitches. I, you know what I really hope is that I hope that the 10,000 hours thing, it's like literally like binary. Like once we hit the 10,000 hour, then we'll be good. Yeah. Because so far, I'm just not seeing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing the steady improvement on my own part. Well, um, we'll get there. Maybe this is the year we get to 10,000. I haven't year. been measuring. I haven't been counting, but we got to be near it. Uh, but thank you for listening and thank you for um, just being on this wild journey with us. Please uh, email us, follow us, subscribe. You can now rate podcasts on Spotify so you can give us five stars on there. Um, and obviously, wherever you listen to any of your podcasts, you can donate and send us a voicemail. Anchor.fm slash we bought a mic. Thank you, you beautiful donors for supporting the show. We love you. Sorry for not giving you the full hook episode. That's on me, but I hope we made it up with uh, this this little fatty catch up here before we get into Listomania next week. Mm. And uh, that'll be basically all of January um, where we recap the best of 2021. Uh, and then we'll get back to Robin Williams with Fern Gully, which you'll actually be back for that, Lee. Fern Gully. Excited Fern for that? Gully. I mean... If y'all are ready, I'm ready to talk about Baddie. I'm not. It's our. You know what? I I thought of another Robin Williams movie. I really want to do. I want to do August Rush. Oh no. Okay. Oh, I can add God. that to the queue. <laughs> I remember seeing that. I remember being into that what when if, I was a kid. What if a kid like hit a guitar? Yeah. That's dude. the movie. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for Listomania. Uh, as every year, I uh, this is a frenzy uh, time for me. I, I, I already apologized to Lee uh, about how uh, annoying I'm going to be trying to cram in out. as many movies as possible. I know, man. Our there, top 10. I imagine where I'm at, man. I haven't <laughs> you know, I haven't watched anything this whole fucking year. I'm so screwed. Well, I, I, I have a list and I know I'm not going to get through everything, um, but you're already ahead of me. You already saw Licorice Pizza, which we got to do a whole ep on once I actually see oh, it. Baby. Yeah. 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 Um, it's 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 a good and I'm sure hate, I hate to spoil uh, Nightmare Alley, the new GDT Encanto uh, Tragedy of Macbeth, The Last Duel, Spencer, Come On, Come On, Power of the Dog, Belfast, Coward Counter, Red Rocket, the new uh, Sean Baker. Can we uh, see that yet? Is that somewhere? It is. It is. Dude, see, this is this is the thing. I was just telling Lee about this. Like, I fucking am so annoyed 
at how quickly movies are disappearing from theaters. Like if you don't see them in that like short, basically week and a half, like you're shit out of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks. But eventually we'll be able to see everything on a, a video on demand. Um, Red Rocket. Very excited. Yeah. Unbelievably. Uh, also, Titan. I've heard good things about. And the Vi- Maggie Gyllenhaal and, and- movie. Oh, The Lost Daughter. Yes, that's on Netflix. So that should be pretty easy to check out. Uh, and then Annette, uh, I've heard really good things man, about. Man, I'm not going to see most of this. Um, <laughs> I'm going to like. I'm right. Gonna watch, I'm going to watch Seinfeld. I literally just listed like 15 movies. I'm like just, there's no there's no chance. I'm going to watch Seinfeld. I know it. I can feel it. Can I can feel myself anytime. not watching all these let's movies. Do a, let's do a whole day where we just like do back to back and we'll just like feed I'm you honestly, and we'll give you free shit that sounds good i'm listening again <laughs> oh to watch all these movies the thing yeah. is i just i'm i've come to the realization that i don't there are certain types of things that i know ahead of time that i just don't like and i'm so i'm just gonna watch the ones i know i'm gonna like. i know i'm gonna like red rocket like i'm just oh, gonna yeah. watch that instead of like you know west side story which i know I'll be watching it thinking like, God, this is so good. What's wrong with me? I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, how I feel half the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just have to be like emotionally and like mentally prepared to watch things like that's my problem is i'm usually resistant and fighting everything ernest is putting on but once he gets it on i'm like wow my mind is blown and then i'm like super opinionated about it but i would never put it on myself yeah unless you know i put on like stupid simple stuff that just is like on in the background because i'm usually you know i put on i put on things. those what like what you see on like an infant's ipad at a restaurant mm-hmm. you know I, it's, it's literally just shapes like going across the screen <laughs> <laughs> and they all they all have like a smiley face and oh the kid's God. like oh i smile too i like this shit lee, like lee has uh left me in the dust in the sopranos wow like i well you got I was me this invested and then you week. ditched me no honey i was gone for two days uh-uh we went from watching it every single night to you like putting on all these different shows and i'm like you're a show ho yeah she calls me a show ho so we can't do that i need to finish it because i'm already this far in and i'm pissed if i don't finish it even though it was gonna lose me and so like you just you you have to finish it where, wherever you started i mean come on <laughs> come on i'll get to it i'll get to it i have all these other movies and to then watch. for you it's not always about what drew wants it's about what the directors want and we have to give the directors what they want which is somebody to watch which their is, stuff i i uh i i hate that <laughs> I don't give a Spielberg fuck wants you to see all the pretty dance moves. What's he gonna do if I don't watch this? <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna cry. Look, nothing matters. We're all gonna die. Yeah. Comet's coming. Do what you want. Fuck it. And I'll be that, on the pod. Thank you for listening. Stick around for Listomania. We got some goodies coming at you. It's gonna be a fun one. Happy 2022. We love you. Bye bye. Bye.